Here to introduce WWE legend, the poet laureate of the WWE, the one and only Leaping Lanny Poffo. What's up? I am the genius full of glory and renown. (laughs) Genius. Great to have you on Below the Belt. Oh, it's great to be here. My mom wouldn't be up right now. She's 79 years old. My father's 81. The macho man is 53. Oh, yeah. And I'm 51 years old, and I look every day of it. It's the debut of the genius on BelowTheBelt.com. Rookie, shady, chachi, perv. I'm going to tell my mom. <laughs> the Below the Belt show is closed captioned for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up goes down. podcast guys uh we're here for your weekly pleasure and an incredible show from top to bottom so let's go ahead and introduce first our birthday celebrant she is an actress she's a singer songwriter she is the ultimate buffy the vampire slayer fan who just had a buffy themed birthday and now we're bringing her on to btb to celebrate she is BTV's own Sabby Taylor Smith. Sabrina, good to have you back. What's up, BTV? Great. It's been a minute since I've been here. I love how I'm like literally snotting and burping as oh you're introducing me. This is like so not the most charming entrance ever, but hello. Happy birthday, Sabby. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. So, so I did also just have a puppy themed birthday party. Yes, yes. How was that party, really quick? Um, it was awful. Someone who wasn't even in our house crushed it. And people were like, what's, why is there puffy stuff everywhere? And I was like, because it's my birthday. Oh my God. It's fine. Oh, sometimes it happens. Out. You kicked them out. Okay. You, you did what you out. had to do. Ended up you being st- fine. You still had a good but, time. You know, by that time, everyone was too drunk to learn how to play the Buffy games. <laughs> and I saw the pictures. Because I have all five of them. You were Buffy, but you were adamant that no one else portrayed Buffy. Yes. I okay. was like, you guys can be whatever you want except for Buffy. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Dustin, um, your other half, uh, portrayed Spike, correct? Yes, he was Spike. He was like, maybe I should be Angel. And I was like, now, Angel's lame. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Well, there Spike. you go. Yeah. Um, well, happy birthday, Sabs. We're, we're, we're glad you're here back on BTB. Yep. And uh, may have a. 
a couple surprises, hopefully, uh, joining us a little later. But nonetheless, let's go ahead and introduce the rest of the amazing panel. Uh, that's right, guys. He is uh, known as the man with the calming presence. He's also the Persian prince of pop culture. And ladies call him Zadi. <laughs> he is also an improv extraordinaire artist. Yes, yes. He is the one and only Mike the General Zod. Hello. Happy 2023. <clears throat> you know, uh, most most listeners don't have no idea how the sausage is made on this podcast, but I'll, I'm going to take you behind the curtain for a second. This is actually the second time that we're talking, <laughs> and so I'm not going to wax and muse about the future like I did before. So well, I'm just going to say, still talk about that, but we can. We it can, was we good. Can, it was a very good point. We can still circle back. Yeah, we can circle back. I'm just, I'm, I'm just being, I'm just being kind of a stinker. <laughs> well, now, now that you mention it, Zod, I'm sure the listeners want to know what you're alluding to. Okay, okay. Just the fact that we're in 2023 now. It's my first uh, show of the year. And yes. the fact that, like, uh, most people don't realize that um, we're living in what's the future. Like, we're living in so many classic sci fi movies took place before today. And, um, you know, it, it's amazing to think that we've made it this far. Hopefully we'll make it a little bit farther. <laughs> you know, the world uh, world is the way it is. But, yeah, it's just. But did they did they accurately predict the future? That's that's up for debate. Mm. Yeah. Because well. God damn it. Back to the future uh, said that we would have hoverboards. And damn it. They are hoverboards, but not the hoverboards that I imagined that kind of. Exactly. Yeah. No flying cars. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah. You know, I think the Jetsons had it closest. You know, they had the Zoom calls, you know? Yeah. They had, sure. um, they had like, the that. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the AI, things, yeah. one of the things, none of those, like, old futuristic sci-fi stuff, I don't think anyone re- reliably predicted the, the way the internet would change the world. And um, that's... Absolutely. That's that's except that, for except for some like cyberpunk novels, but none of those became like great movies or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I guess technically the Matrix might be the closest because you know that's essentially like an allegory for the inter- internet. And, yeah, but, but I guess yeah, that might have been the only one. But the, you know, obviously the internet has been so impactful in all of our lives, really, mm-hmm. uh, in some good ways and some bad ways. But nonetheless, let's go ahead okay. and introduce. Another panelist here on BTB. Uh, she does it all, and it's been a minute since we had her on BTB. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also our favorite redhead. Uh, she is a singer, an actress, a performer, an entrepreneur. Um, she does it all. She does it all. She's a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. My gosh. And she's also affectionately known. As Miss Snortles, <laughs> triple <doves. laughs> and that's back on BTB. It's been a minute. Yay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. I uh, thank you, Elle, for having me again. Um, yeah, it's been almost a year, which is crazy, honestly. Um, but yeah, I'm so good, to, glad to be ba- good to be back. Glad to be back. Um, talking and meeting you, Sabrina. Again, happy freaking birthday. I- yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's so exciting. So Dang. yeah, I, I have a nonprofit where we 
please. The whole point is to give birthday parties to underprivileged youth. So I love a birthday. I love a good birthday. I oh, love that's that. awesome. I love birthday parties too. Yeah. I, just, I love birthdays in general. Unless yeah. I don't like you, then I'm like, man, it's your birthday. But I mean, <laughs> nobody's ever like that, really, you know? Yeah, so, but I love that you had a themed birthday. And at mm-hmm. your themed birthday, you all collectively channeled your inner Buffy the Vampire Slayer characters to kick out a vampire crasher at your Intruder. birthday. Intruder. Yeah. <laughs> 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 What's up with your hair? Like, don't you have real hair? And blah, blah, blah. And I was like, first of all, like, nobody ever asked people with wigs that. So I don't know why you're asking me that. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it is my hair because I bought it. And third of all, <laughs> it's real because it's real. They say ne- so, never ask a, a a black woman about her hair. That's what they say. So why? Why would you do that? I mean, yes, I do have hair, but why? Why would you do right. that? That's just <laughs> asking me how much I weigh. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, Sabrina, um, you and I have been to Sundance Film Festival, which is the premier film festival, which we've had amazing times, some crazy times. Yeah. Um, yeah, for the few years. For having a flashback memory of finding you finding your underwear in the oh snow. Oh my God! I wish there was a better uh, story you know, to talk about that, but no, it fell out of my simply fell out of my luggage. It wasn't anything crazy or naughty, even though <laughs> it was. Sabrina, you were a little naughty that that. Uh, anyways, that's neither here. <laughs> sorry, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I was. I was drunk a good portion of the time at marshmallow it got very hot and i was yeah. like for the birds so right right didn't you uh, make out with a couple a couple people mm-hmm. i definitely made out yeah. with a couple of people uh i took off my clothes and danced in just my bra um <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very chilly because it is cold that's cold right. as hell it's un- yes, cold as hell, but not at the marshmallow show. It was right. hot as oh, I see. hell. Oh, yes. Yeah, see. That's okay. a lot of... But all of us were prepared for we winter, must so we're, mm-hmm. we're, yep. we're in, like, turtlenecks and, like, jackets and, like, hats and gloves, and it was just, it got too hot. It just got too hot. Of so. course. Of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. So... Myself and Sabrina did not attend this year. Click on this. Uh, did not um, cover Sundance this year. Sadly, however, Vanessa yeah. was at Sundance. So, Vanessa, I wanted to talk to you about some of the highlights of the Sundance Film Festival for you. Because we we love the Sundance Film Festival. We're sad we weren't there this year. Hopefully, we'll be there next year. But, Vanessa, tell us a little bit about what you did at Sundance. Yeah. Uh, well, the main point of going for me this year was to promote a feature that um, I was really fortunate to shoot in January. Um, I wasn't expecting to film. It was a very last minute casting and they weren't able to fill my character's role, which was a therapist, which I do tend to get typecast as. Um, But (laughs) uh, it ended up being uh, actually a very... Uh, I I can't say fun. I mean, it was fun to do. It was fun to discover her. It all happened so quickly. And I think one of the great things about that was that it really forced me to have to um, discover her in a very um, multidimensional way at an extreme rate. 
And so that was that was fun to do. Um, so uh, also discovering the character along the way and all that stuff, just everything that went into that was was really good. Um, every the cast was amazing. The crew was amazing. Just the vibe. If we had been a TV show, that would have been great because everybody loved each other. We didn't want filming to end. Um, so I didn't know that that was coming up. And then I didn't know I was going to Sundance this year because, you know, I'm still a little wary about travel. Not too much, but still, I have some relatives that are really, really super high risk. So I've been trying to just, you know, manage my COVID and sickness exposure as best I can. But I did end up going this year to promote that movie, Christmas Couples Retreat, which we yes. shot in Baltimore, by the way. Christmas Couples Retreat. Well, I must have missed that casting call. But uh, to have... So did a, I. <laughs> yeah, right? right. But, but to have a film screen at Sundance, so it wasn't oh, no, 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 no. selection, though, right? It just screened in Park City. No, week. it didn't screen at all because we had just finished... We wrapped like a week and a half before Sundance. Oh! Oh, Okay. Yeah. So it'll okay. be out next year. Um, but it was just just been such a whirlwind month. And so we went uh just to promote it, to talk about it. I you see. know, of course, look for distribution and all that stuff. So that was the main reason that I went this okay. year. Maybe yeah. selected for next year, right? Well, perhaps, yes. You never know. You never know, um, right? You never know. But um the, the message is really great. Everything that I do, I want to have a meaningful message behind it. And this one, of course, being a, a holiday movie, is about hope and love and connection and finding each other and owning your own responsibility in your relationships and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so it was really good to go. And we did a panel uh, in Park City during Sundance um, where we talked about that and how the film really highlights, of course, female empowerment and um, and all of that stuff. We talked about how the pandemic has changed us in good ways, how it's affected us as actors and performers and informed us, as I'm sure you can all empathize with. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so Sundance was a lot of different things, not just about just going um, and doing the usual Sundance stuff, but it, it had a lot more to it than in past years. Wow, any particularly great parties that you attended? Oh my gosh. Well, so many, but y'all know I'm an introvert, right? Like, well, I'm really an ambivert. So I, I'm extremely introverted and extremely extroverted. And whenever I go to these things, I have to be very mindful of my energy output because okay. it's so hard for me to hold on to my energy because I'm so excited and there's a lot of sensory input. Like and the price so, is right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like, the price is right. You got to see Vanessa on The Price is Right. It is <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I have to be very mindful. Price is Right was very educational for me in terms of how I react to sensory input. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot from that. But um, yeah, so like I did go to a lot of amazing parties, of course. Nice. Um, But a lot of the time I was terrified that, you know, will I be able to withstand this probably 11th party in nine hours talking to uh-huh. people. I love it, but it's draining. So we, it's, it's a we can class. agree with that, right, Sabrina? We, we, yeah. Uh, yeah. we had a lot of late night parties. It's, 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 yeah. Yeah. It takes a it's toll. Constant. Sure. Okay. I'm not in my twenties anymore. So. <laughs> right. We're, I'm not in my twenties anymore. Vanessa, any celebrity <laughs> sightings? 
Um, you know, I well, I did get to meet Amy Redford. Um, I yes. yeah, yeah, and she's the daughter of Robert Redford. Yes. Um, Founder I also yeah, and I I sat in on a panel that she was on, which was incredible. I wish she had been able to speak a lot longer because she really discussed how as a producer and a director, your your job really at the end of the day is to make sure that you create a safe, emotionally, mentally, and physically safe set. And how do you do that? How do you go about doing that? And it really starts with you from the beginning. And then it's up to you to make sure that that continues. So I thought that that was a really important you know, discussion to to talk about. And by the way, you you mentioned I'm an entrepreneur. So I did purchase a gym, as you know. Yes. Over the summer. Yes. And one of the reasons that, well, one of the main reason that I, I did that because I never dreamed about owning a gym. It just sort of fell into my my lap. Um, was that I I hoped it would help make me be a better producer and director. And I can absolutely say that that is true. Wow. Um, yeah, By owning a gym. Absolutely. Because it gives you real world business experience. The stakes are low, right? You don't have to screw up in your actual career. <laughs> I, I care about it, of course. <laughs> right. But, you know, um, it involves set design and uh, working with many different people and personality types. You have to plan ahead. You have to think about money and marketing and branding and all those things. So, um, I, when I sat in on Amy's panel, listening to her, I could actually equate a lot of the things that I have had to go through as a gym owner and see how they matched being on set as a producer and, and as a director. So her panel was just very touching personally for me. How much of a time commitment is it to own a gym? I would think that would, uh, I mean, I would imagine it's like owning a restaurant where suddenly you're working like 100 hour weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, so before I took it over, when I was asked to purchase the gym, I asked that question, actually. I, I said, you know, this isn't my career. It can't be my career. But I do feel something about that. And I feel like I'm supposed to follow it. And I basically said, does the gym pedal itself or am I going to have to pedal this bike? And it was said to me that basically pedals itself if I want it to. Of course, that's not who I am. So I'm pedaling it every day. But um, knowing that it can float on its own has actually helped me to have less stress about it um, and still be able to pursue my career. I did put my acting career on hold until January because I do care about it. I want to make sure it succeeds because it's an amazing community and, and people. But at the end of the day, you know, um, it's more of a, a community outreach project for me than, you know, a career. So, yeah. Congratulations on that undertaking. That's Thank you. Thank you. Lots of luck. And it's a great way to, to stay fit, which is very, very much needed, right? Well, actually, I work out much less than I used to because I'm so... <laughs> Involved in the business aspect, work. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, but but it's good. It's good, and I noticed at Sundance that it had very much informed me mm. in a lot of ways. I'm much more a, in a business mindset for our industry than I was before taking over the gym. All so, right. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Vanessa, we're so uh, glad that you're doing amazing, great things, and uh, 
thanks for keeping us uh posted on uh what you're up to but uh i figured let's talk about since we're talking about film let's talk about uh, some movie stuff going on right all right right so let's talk about some stuff going on in the world of entertainment so here we go it is time for the hollywood report that's hot that's bananas that's off the chain that's right benji and joel waldorf maryland's own one and only with the hollywood news all right so let's talk about the box office uh so the number one movie is now knock at the cabin which i am probably seeing this weekend i do need to check it out because it stars Washington, D.C.'s own Dave Batista, whose career has come a long way since the days in the WWE. And this is an M. Night Shyamalan uh, film. Uh, it's a horror film. And as you know, Shyamalan's all about those big twists. Um, but yeah, knocked uh, Avatar off the uh, the number one spot at the box office. Avatar was pretty much ruling the box office since it came out. In fact, not only did Knock at the Cabin knock avatar off but so did 80 for brady um which is uh, a sports comedy with lily tomlin jane fauna rita moreno and sally field um which it's surprising because it kind of targets towards an older audience with with that cast mm-hmm. uh because you know they're, they're usually uh, reluctant to go to theaters you know during this time but nonetheless that was the number two movie um which uh I'm, frankly, I'm really, really surprised that it still uh, knocked Avatar from the top. Avatar is the number three movie. Um, and, I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, so it's still hanging in the top five, just not the top anymore. Puss in Boots, The Last Witch, the number four movie. And uh, I don't know why, but BTS, uh, which is the, as you know, the, the K-pop uh, sensation, has a concert film and that uh rounds up the top five of the movies in cinema so uh has anyone had a chance Wait, to see it has like 17 boy members bts i don't think they have 17 members I no think... way like five or something yeah five or six right oh, okay there yeah. is one k-pop group that they have like a bunch of dudes and i'm like how do you even keep track of like What's going on? I'm going to find it so you guys know I'm not full of shit. Okay. Well, it's not BTS because I know. Uh, Vanessa, you like your boy bands, don't you? Oh, You're oh you know I do. You right. know it. Is, yeah. K- is K-pop uh, one of, you know, is that something that you've learned to uh, in- enjoy or like? I will say, y'all know I have PTSD. And after I got diagnosed with PTSD, my radio went from music to calming spa music slash npr so i've missed the bts craze because anytime i'm in my car it's not about the music um yeah but because of at the gym and zumba i hear it and i do enjoy it i think it it's earned its spot on the global stage for sure okay all right um but yes sabrina no uh, bts only has i believe six members and in fact they have to serve their time in the korean military uh, which I think is uh, what I read recently. Uh, it's it's crazy because no matter what your celebrity status is, you, you all men in South Korea have to dedicate at least two years in the military. Mm-hmm. 
which I wasn't even aware of. And I thought maybe some special treatment would happen for for these uh, K-pop sensations. But no, that's not the case. They actually have to serve their time uh, in the military. So a lot of them have to do solo careers. So they're going to like yeah. have solo careers at different points. So like one member can go to do the military and one can have a solo career and then the other one will go into the military. So, yeah, pretty crazy stuff. So, um, yeah. I found it. It's called NCT with 23 members. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> NCT? Yes. Wow. 23 members. Oh, my gosh. Do you see that? Look at that. <laughs> NCT. <laughs> my God, that is that that is absolutely insane. I mean, how could you not love them if they have that many members? There's got to be at least one, right? There's got to be one that you like. At least okay. one. <laughs> There's some, someone for everyone, right? I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we know what's going to be the top movie's odd, right? You have a guess as what the top movie will be next week? Oh, it's. <clears throat> I'm thinking it's that BTS movie again. No, it's going to be Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, <laughs> odd. Yes. That's going to be released, uh, yeah, this upcoming, um, yeah, February 17th. And uh, apparently the reviews are good, which is great. Um, uh, yeah, so I guess let's just read some of the reviews. Um, let's see. Variety had an absolute blast with the film. Um, creative, irresistibly energetic, filled with some great action sequences. Welcome, Jonathan Major. Such a badass. The effects are superb. All it's right. It's interesting to see Peyton Reed. Peyton Reed's really, like, kind of grown into... Uh, I never really thought of him, as, even though we did the, the, the previous Ant-Man movies, he never really struck me as, like, a big, like, blockbuster, you know, huge... Right. You know, spectacle-type uh, director. But, you know, because he... Um, he did that. Uh, he did this like really, really great like kind of romantic comedy that was like this throwback to those '60s screwball comedies that starred Ewan McGregor and um, Oh yeah, Renee Zellweger. <clears throat> I can't remember what it's called, but it was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. But I totally saw him as like being that kind of director, right? But, doing the rom coms and, and yeah, that sort. But he's pretty much done a great job with with the uh, superhero genre. And uh, <clears throat> one critic uh, from CNET says that the film has too much going on. Tough to connect emotionally to any of it. But they said Jonathan Majors Kang is charismatic, intense baddie, and visually awesome. So there you go. Well, that's really cool. Because yeah. a lot is riding on him. I mean, he's going <clears> to <throat> be the big bad for Phase 5. That's right. The entire Phase 5. I think it's gonna, yeah. he's going to be in, like, many movies. Um, <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp. The next, the, the next Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yes. Ant-Man oh. 3. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, definitely <laughs> want to see that. Yeah. So actually another one uh, says that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania gives some heavy Star Wars vibes. Star Wars <laughs> vibes? And again, they're, they're praising Jonathan Majors as the, as the big bad villain. And make sure you stay for two post-credit scenes. Well, there's a, there's a huge <laughs> rumor about what one of those scenes is going to introduce. Okay. I don't know if it's true or not, but well, we, certain... 
Yeah, it's a rumor. So go ahead and Zombie. Yeah. What did you, what did you read on Reddit? <laughs> a certain foursome might be introduced in one of the extra. Ooh, that is interesting because they are actually going into production. That's the Fantastic Four. Yeah. That's a Fortune balloon, right? They're going into production on uh, in 2024, but uh, no cast has been attached just yet. Uh, they're yeah, gonna, that's the thing. That's why, that's why it's another Fantastic Four movie. Yes, they are. This is going to be under MCU though, so it's going to oh, have it's going to have so Kevin Feige overseeing probably that. Probably going to suck. No, it's going to be great. It's MCU. <laughs> you know the last. Honestly, I feel like the Fantastic Four is like my least favorite group of all the superheroes. Well, you know, you, know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta find the uh, the Fantastic Four works absolutely the best when they're they're kind of seen as kind of retro a little bit, but it's more about like the because they're supposed to be more than superheroes. They're supposed to be like explorers. And that's how it works absolutely the best when. Um, you know, it's supposed to be this like wonder of new frontiers and everything like that. That's where like all of these like amazing concepts in Marvel Comics originated out of the, the Fantastic Four comics. And so, yeah, it's uh, you can't make them edgy. You can't make them too edgy. You can't make them too snarky. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of snark in there, but it's supposed to be more about like hope and wonder. Kind of similar to like really w- like how Superman should be. And right. Which we will get to, Zod, because yeah. we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have you on when we talked about the DCU slate. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit of that. But uh, what can we see coming up soon? Also, a uh, guy Ritchie's upcoming movie with Jake Gyllenhaal called The Covenant. So Jake plays Army Sergeant John Kinley, who was rescued during a tour in Afghanistan by his interpreter, played by Dar Salim. And it shows footage of uh, Kinley, um, Sergeant Kinley, grappling with whether to put himself back in harm's way to rescue Ahmed. Um, so uh, the, the trailer is out for that. Check it out. Pretty, pretty exciting. Um, but yes, let's just go into DCU. Why not? Um, um, yes. So. Um, we did talk about the full slate, so you can listen to that on last week's show. But let's talk about several highlights um, because the slate takes, yeah, that's a lot of projects that's in the future for DCU. But, um, but yeah, first of all, um, they're saying that this um, first slate is going to be called chapter one, gods and monsters. So instead of the phases that Marvel uses, they're going to go with chapters. Um, And of course this is, this is to bring DCU in the similar vein as MCU mm-hmm. with interconnected characters and stories, which DC kind of lacked, you know, they, they it was really all over the place. So yeah. basically um, Saffron, Peter Saffron, uh, the co-CEO, sorry, along with uh, James Gunn, uh, said that the DC universe will be centralized under one creative vision. Um, and it's basically um, a medium agnostic. Says DC Studios encompasses film, television, animation, and video games. James Gunn said that the history that the history of DC is pretty messed up. It was fucked up. He actually called <laughs> yeah. it fucked up. The Arrowverse, the DCEU, then Joss Whedon's Justice League, and then the Zack Snyder version. 
So that was pretty much the reason for for that. But um, now, now there's a lot of like burning questions um, that that's happened now with will DCU be a full reboot? Because Jason Momoa, as we said last week, is returning as Aquaman, and I'm pretty sure with the Waller series that the Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad movie with mm-hmm. some of the characters that survived are also going to move into that DC. I mean, there's a, well. they can, they can easily just say, I mean, it's the same way that Vincent D'Onofrio re- returned as the Kingpin or um, Charlie Cox returned as Daredevil. You know, yeah. they're not necessarily the same characters. actors, but they're not necessarily the exact same characters, you know? Okay. okay. That's one way of thinking of it. So there's four movies left in the DCEU before the reboot happens. Those four movies are Shazam! Fury of the Gods, The Flash, which apparently will explain a lot of the changes in the DCEU yeah. because of the whole time travel, you know. Flashpoint. That's, uh, Flashpoint. That's they, yeah, that's how they rebooted the DC that's universe, right. the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Beetle and Aquaman, like we mentioned, um, Jason Momoa returning for Aquaman. Um and of course, uh, reprising his character most likely. He said, "Nobody's taking that shit from me." It's what what Jason Momoa actually specifically said. Um, so basically, yes, this is the final year of the DCEU, and then the reboot happens. Um, what we what we don't know is what is going to be brought over. You know, um, what I am hoping and begging is that that margot robbie returns as harley quinn because i don't think anybody can portray uh, harley quinn as great as margot robbie of course we know that lady gaga I will thought they were doing something with lady gaga that's right lady gaga will be portraying harley quinn in the elseworlds joker movie so this is yeah, uh, basically that's a that's a little point of brilliance right there yeah. Yeah, yeah, Elseworlds. They, yeah, they they actually branded those movies as Elseworlds. Mm-hmm. Elseworlds is a very old school term in DC Comics. Right. And uh, yeah, I thought that was a great idea. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and that actually, oh it's God. almost like a what if. Look how excited! Yeah. Are you General excited? Zod just got. You just oh, got Zod, so excited. Zod. You're like Elseworlds. <laughs> 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 you just Zod got so good. excited about it. He's like, Zod. that's an old school term. No one else knows about that life. So, um, <laughs> yes, Elseworlds will be comprised of the Joker movie with Rocky <laughs> Phoenix and Lady Gaga, as you mentioned, Sabrina, as Harley Quinn. Also will include the Batman series with Robert Pattinson. Um, I was kind of all for uh, Robert Pattinson playing Batman in the ECU, but I guess they don't want to they want to leave that separate for some reason. And they're going to bring in a brand new Batman for the DCU in the Brave and the Bold. Mm-hmm. I, I was just going to say, who did they th- do? Who do they have for that? Or yeah. do they did they already do they, they not know who they're casting? Yeah, they for haven't yet. announced uh, casting for the DCU Batman yet. Um, okay. And they haven't announced casting for the DCU Superman yet. As you know, we're very upset. A lot of us, myself, I know Chachi's upset. Everyone Henry- is. That Henry Cavill will not be returning as Superman, which I just don't get it, man. He's like the perfect Superman. But... I don't get it either. He's the perfect Superman, even though apparently, I mean, I don't know the guy, but apparently he's kind of a shit person. But Whoa. I mean, 
I don't really know. I don't know the guy. You heard he's a shit person. Um, but that? he's a great, he's a great Superman. Yeah, I heard he's kind of a womanizer. He's like really just not. Yeah, he's like, married. You know. I don't he's know. Married. I, I think these are um, unfounded uh, things that you're finding, Sabrina. I don't know if I, I would go with that, but um, the Superman Legacy, they do want a younger actor. This is the James Gunn Superman movie that James actually wrote. Um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be year, basically calling it year two. Zod, what do you know about year two, the term year two in com- in the DC uh, comic universe? Well, there's a. Yeah. Henry Cavill accused of behavior towards women on uh, The Witcher. Oh, well, that's a bummer. That's a bummer to hear. That's Maybe. December seventeenth, two thousand and twenty-two. So that's recent news. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's explaining a, a reason why he left the show because he yeah. did leave uh, The Witcher. But uh, I believe you, year two is kind of like uh, kind of like the sophomore year, basically, of of a superhero in their in their younger years, right? Todd? Yeah, yeah. It's um, <clears throat> DC. Uh, DC's done a lot of these stories where they do year and then a number after it. And it goes back to, I mean, there's this absolutely classic Batman story called Batman Year One, <clears throat> written by Frank Miller, came out in like the 80s, like around the same time as Watchmen did. And what that effectively did is, you know, because, you know, continuity wasn't as, I mean, continuity was a huge deal, but like, you know, it was something that was kind of unheard of. They did an entire story that was like this flashback and they did it entirely seriously. And it completely, you know, kind of remade Batman in a lot of ways. It made Commissioner Gordon a much more serious and much more like three-dimensional character, things like that. So they tried to, after that, they did a sequel to it called Year Two, which was oh, the, okay. which which was kind of like supposed to show Batman in his second year where he's still trying to uh, get an ideas to like, oh. you know, he's got a little bit of time under his belt, but he's trying to get, uh, you know, he still like makes mistakes and he still and they that story in the comics was OK. It's kind of forgettable, but they did mm-hmm. kind of like take a lot of parts of that to, for the movie Mask of the Phantasm. You remember that? Oh, like, that's okay. right, right. And um, so, you know, since then, they've done that. They've done some kind of like year one, year two thing for Superman. They did one for The Flash. They did one for Green Lantern. Okay. And uh, and I guess that what it's supposed to signify is that in this sense is that these movies won't be origin stories, but they'll still be where they're still like the heroes. Because we've little. seen the origin story so yeah. many times. Do we need to see it again? Right? Exactly. And it's just going to be more about them being kind of inexperienced. They're going to like, so they're still like learning the ropes. They're still going to make mistakes. They're not going to be infallible yet. Okay. Wow. Um, and uh, before we uh, have to let Vanessa go, um, let's, finish up dceu or dcu for that matter with what project are you excited the most out of uh james gunn slate i mentioned it last last year that it was the lanterns the green lantern series and the booster gold series yeah yeah booster gold Gold for you yeah that and like the one that kind of surprised me was the authority 
which was uh, yeah, that's not even a DC property. So that's a um, Wildstorm property. That DC yeah, bought. yeah. Well, right. they 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 kind of they've integrated all the Wildstorm stuff into right. their DC universe. Right. But it's like, oh, that could go. That could be either super cynical and edgy. You know, one of those. Oh, don't cut yourself on that much edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's uh, and that could could be either really really kind of cringy or it could be amazing like the comics were like when they first came out in like the late 90s right so we'll see we'll see we'll see yeah so yeah and of course the green lantern um series is going to be described as a true detective comic book story yeah yeah which you know they're gonna do the black cop white cop thing with hal jordan and john stewart but you know they're Mm -hmm. super powered with the green lantern ring so Mm -hmm. should be pretty rad vanessa meadows are you a fan of anything in the dcu uh, well, I don't keep track, but I my favorite superhero movie so far has been Ant Man. So <laughs> okay, so that's Marvel. But okay, how about these? Yeah, but what I did want to say about that, oh, he's gonna say something Marvel. I know it because okay. <laughs> I mean everyone knows I love comic books, but I am not a huge fan of like literally any of the DC movies that we've had. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. It's it's hard for me when the rest of hit in 08. Sorry. I just don't think any of them were very good. Except for um that's pretty much the only one. I'm having a hot flash right now currently. Oh. Okay. <laughs> that's why I started sweating profusely. So, so that's the same, with you, the same with you, Vanessa, Ant Man and Marvel, but pretty much nothing in DC. I'm just picky because it seemed to me as soon as two thousand eight hit and the movie industry went towards films that were just easy money, which I get, I'm not judging. I became extra critical of movies that I saw as just being money makers. Mm -hmm. Ah, okay. Yeah, but I respect them. They've done a lot of good. I understand that. Um, Ant-Man was the funniest to me and the most uh, well thought through, in my opinion. So I'm excited about the upcoming one. But what I'm interested, this makes me more interested, is hearing about it'll be sort of like a Star Wars feel because yeah different energies like Star Wars is a completely different energy yeah completely different energy I agree yeah. so I'm wondering maybe I won't like it or maybe I will because it's a different kind of take and it maybe mm-hmm. I don't know so I'm actually more intrigued yeah it's gonna get very cosmic which basically is anything yeah outside okay. of Earth yeah right so. right okay awesome cool. well vanessa we know you have to uh, run um and uh from the virtual room that is and uh we <laughs> appreciate you miss Nordles, triple doves thanks for sharing my birthday show with me oh yes yes happy birthday i'm excited for you and um thank you thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me, you guys. And um, yeah, I can't wait to, to yeah. see you around. And maybe at Sundance next year or TIFF or, you know. Hopefully sooner than that, Vanessa. And before you go, there are any um, last minute plugs? Uh, Christmas Couples Retreat comes out uh, next year. Follow us on Instagram and uh, the Facebook. Uh, feel free to uh, check out my YouTube channel, The Crown Survivalist. That's right my website, all the things, and uh, my gym, freedomfitness.info. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Vanessa. So wonderful seeing you. It's great to see you. Oh, you too, guys. Thank you. Have a fun night. Have a good night, Vanessa. Bye. All right. That was Vanessa Meadows, guys. All right.
Um, let's start. You, uh, you didn't like you didn't like any of the other DC movies, any of them at all. Yeah, come on, you got to give some love I mean, to Margot like Robbie's Harley Quinn. Come on, Suicide Squad. No. Um, the first Suicide Squad was awful. Right. Yeah. The first second one. The second one, however. I honestly, I haven't seen the second okay. one. Okay. Watch oh, the second, see the second one, one. one. And let us know. I if heard you... the second one was really good, though. The Suicide Squad was good. I thought Shazam was excellent. I love yeah. Shazam. <laughs> oh, I like Shazam. I like Shazam. I thought that, but like, honestly, like everyone was like super, like, oh my god, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. I didn't like the movie that much. I really yeah. did not think it was that good. The second one, and then the 1984, one. I was like, I'm so over the 80s being done with literally everything. I just didn't even bother seeing it. That's a good point. They kind of run that one through the ground, right? <laughs> well, it's, uh, they just they needed really a better story. Yeah. But um, let's, let's start a couple more um, movie stuff. Um, wow, you know they're doing another Gladiator movie with Ridley Scott? <laughs> did, you, oh. did you know about that one? Yeah, this is a follow-up to Ridley Scott's uh, best picture-winning film that came out in 2000. So this is like is it is it Russell Crowe again? Yes, yes. Well, basically, it followed Maximus uh, Meridius, Russell Crowe, a former general who's forced into being a common gladiator under the rule of Commodus Joaquin Phoenix. Um, and um, I believe, yeah, I believe the original cast is back. Yeah. Um, Russell Crowe is kind of kind of looking his age these days. <laughs> he's like uh, the, the gladiator six pack, right? Yeah, he doesn't quite have that same six pack he did during back in two thousand. <laughs> right, <laughs> Russell Crowe. Um, but uh, yeah, this is going to be released uh, November twenty twenty four. Oh, so look cool. for it. Yeah, look for it. Uh, I think it's kind of cool. Um, so far, Paul Mescal, who recently earned, earned an Oscar, Oscar nomination for his role in the film the film After Sun, is in negotiations to star. Um, so there you go. Um, there's a sci-fi thriller called Unify with the beautiful Olga Kurlyenko. You might know Olga from uh, such uh, films as Quantum of Solace, the James Bond film from 2008. Um Max Payne with Mark Wahlberg. Um, Seven Psychopaths with Colin Farrell. Yeah, <laughs> she's. So this is pretty cool. It's basically um, Unify warns of a biological AI virus, a, a virus that affects AI, artificial intelligence, as an existential threat that is taking over the planet, which is programmed to eradicate individual identity and fuse mankind into a single consciousness. Oh, man, that sounds really, really dystopian. Um, <laughs> um, I love dystopian style movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Talk yeah. about that's the uh, singularity. That's the thing that everyone who's afraid of AI feel like will eventually will eventually happen. The uh, I saw this like really great, like, um, I read this recently about how like artificial intelligence isn't is kind of like fire. They a lot of people believe where it's it's not something that's going that that was invented. It was discovered. And so like um, oh. it's something it's it's like something that is like this, like almost even though it's a 
paradox to say this about it being natural. It was like a natural progression. It was always going to happen. And uh, a lot of people are really scared of AI. <laughs> and uh, I mean, they could. If you watch a lot enough of uh, they saw films, Terminator too. Yeah. Terminator or any really any um. Gosh, I mean, what um, what's the movie with um, with Oscar Isaac and um, Ex, Ex Machina? Machina. Yeah. Um, of course, there's also Will Smith's film. Um, iRobot. iRobot, exactly. So there's yeah. a lot of them, a lot of them, and it could be a very, very scary future. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a lot of it is because like they're they're eventually gonna get to the point where it's beyond our understanding. I mean, there were these mm-hmm. stories about how like they they tried to train like and and I've done some work with uh, I mean very very rudimentary low level like machine learning stuff but it's like they they you know there's this uh, there's a story about how um, they were training these two uh, these two artificial intelligences and one of the things they had them do was um, kind of like converse with each other. And they made up their own language to talk to each other, which is absolutely mind boggling and more than a little terrifying. (laughs) And you can't understand what these AI robots are communicating to each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's their own freaking language, like Valyrian from uh, Game of Thrones. And speaking of Valyrian, the House of the Dragon um, co-producer um is teaming up and that uh, that pro- co-producer is named is charmaine de grate is going to team up with jurassic world director colin trevorrow for a film um atlantis okay so atlantis was in development at universal and it's going to be a fantasy adventure based on the fabled advanced civilization that sank when um yeah um that was lost to the elements, the ancient gods, man's hubris. Um, so yeah, the lost city of Atlantis, the underwater city, um, no casting or anything like that just yet, but look out for it. It should be pretty crazy. Um, JJ Abrams, uh, is going to be, um, working with Warner brothers for a feature adaptation of Stephen King's novel, Billy Summers. Um, and this is actually one of Stephen King's, non-horror novels as you know he's he writes some things that are not horror you know as you know stand by me and things like that um summers focuses on a uh, a hitman uh the eponymous billy summers who is considering retirement when he accepts one last job from a regular client um and takes up a cover story that he's a novelist uh summers um finds himself in a small town as he preps for the hit and also begins writing his novel, which uh, turns into his life story. So that sounds like it's going to go all over the place. And in fact, our, our guest tonight, Paul Sidhu, is playing a uh, a hitman in the movie a Repeater, um, uh, which we will be talking to him a little later. So uh, there you go. Um, what else do we have? Um, we got a movie called The Order with Jude Law and Nicholas Holt. Um, it's a true crime story of the Silent Brotherhood based on um, the Kevin Flynn and Gary Gerhardt book, The Silent Bro- uh, Brotherhood, uh, which details an early 80s crime spree, including bank robberies, armed 
uh, car heists and uh, counterfeiting commit, uh, committed by a white supremacist terrorist group no, known as the Pacific Northwest. Wow. <coughs> that sounds kind of crazy. Um, Evan Rachel Wood. That sounds interesting, actually. That sounds crazy. It sounds, you know, very... Um, very uh was that was that show on amazon um the the when the nazis are in modern day society hunters hunters yes yeah that's which is which has a second season yeah i saw that i just watched that last week oh that, did you finish it or just watch yeah that? oh you did yeah that was a great i thought you I, were gonna say that sounds some like like something that's happening you i don't know if you guys are up to date with this, but um, you know the FBI caught some neo-Nazi leader that was supposed to be attacking Baltimore. Yeah, out of Baltimore, that where yeah. she was to blow up our electricity grids. Yeah, I, I read that. Christ. That was that was that's a pretty fucked up story. Like they, that is a fucked up story. They could make a series out of that. Yeah, yeah. they're 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 trying to like the. There was a similar attack in North Carolina over the summer. I think it was over the summer where somebody shot up all these like power stations in North Carolina and shut down power for millions of people for quite some time. And the way they were planning it in Baltimore, they were going to make a ring. They were going to hit like all these things, these like make like a circle around the city, like hit all these places in Baltimore County. And yeah, that would have been. I don't know that that would, could be disastrous. That would have yeah. fucked up a lot of people's telework. <laughs> right. Well, that, but like it would have shut down a lot of hospitals. Oh God. Like hospitals. Um, yes, people on ventilators. Like, people wouldn't have had heat or any of that. Like right now, and especially it would when have it's been really disastrous. cold. Disasters. Disasters. Yeah. And thank God, thank God, it did not happen. Thank um, God they caught. Them. Yes. Exactly. Or thank the FBI, because you know the Baltimore Police Department ain't doing shit. That's true. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> oh, snap. Mic dropped. Oof. All right, what else do we got, guys? We have Evan Rachel Wood with Josh Gad, Anthony Kerrigan, and Alex Winter's murder mystery called The Adults. And if you know Alex Winter's name, he is one of the Bill and Ted's. Uh, he is best known as Ted um theodore logan i thought uh, ted was keanu reeves oh yeah i thought that was Tim. i'm sorry he is the other guy he yeah, is uh, no. bill sorry yeah. then you know what this article is wrong because <laughs> it says winter is best known for playing ted theodore logan <laughs> keanu no, reeves. because i remember keanu reeves going theodore logan esquire <laughs> no this article is obviously very very wrong um but i think it's cool because you know, he could kind of took a, a backseat to acting and focus on producing and directing. And he did that Bill and Ted three movie, you know, but uh, it's kind of cool to see him, uh, you know, doing a uh, a murder mystery of sorts. Is he, is, he, is he also acting in it or is he directing? Uh, looks like he's directing. Yeah. OK. Well, yeah. Uh, he, uh, I mean, I got to admit, I don't know a lot of his directing work that well. I do vaguely remember he had this like um, comedy show on MTV in the early 90s called the or earlier mid 90s called the Idiot Box. And <laughs> it was a funny show. And he was like, it was his show like he's the one who like wrote and directed it. And uh, so 
Okay. Good to see he's still good. To yeah. See him good to see him. Yeah. I mean, we'd love to see him uh, back in and uh, portraying his Bill character. Sorry, not not Ted. Um, man, one of my favorites. She's so easy on the eyes. Amanda Seyfried. Um, she's gonna. Oh, be, yeah. I Amanda know, right? Oh, I love her. She's gonna be in a movie called Seven Veils. Um, so basically, um, it's gonna be from Chloe director Adam Egoyan. He's a Canadian filmmaker. Um, so um, basically, the logline is haunted by dark memories from her past. Janine allows her repressed trauma to color the present as she reenters the opera world after many years. The opera world. So very, very interesting. In fact, speaking of opera and performances, they're going to do a big screen adaptation of the girl from North country. So this is a Broadway musical featuring Bob Dylan songs, which is pretty cool. Um, awesome. Yeah. So they're going to make an actual big screen adaptation from this Broadway musical and already attached Chloe Bailey, Olivia Coleman and Woody Harrelson. So look for that. And then there's the opposite where a film becomes a Broadway play. So this complete opposite of that phenomenon. And it's La La Land. That will become a Broadway play. Um, so, seems, yeah, that's tailor made to be a Broadway play. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like City of Stars, Another Day of Sun. You know, those two original songs. You obviously have to expand on the musical numbers. But uh, in fact, that City of Stars won the best original score and best original song. So, um, and <laughs> it's interesting that Austin Butler, you mentioned how he hasn't been able to shake off his Elvis accent. Apparently he, he, he talked about how he's really trying to part ways with the accent. Um, but he feels that he's probably damaged his vocal cords with all that singing. And, uh, because one yeah. uh, song took about 40 takes and singing that Elvis voice destroyed his, his vocal cords is saying so. Um, but, uh, you know what? He, he stands by that. It, he wasn't faking that accent. He just got so immersed in the character that he just couldn't shake it off. Have you got, have you ever had to, um, in any of your acting jobs, have, have you ever had to adopt a different accent? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you seen my house guests, Zod? You know, that, uh, <laughs> have you supported right, me yeah. yet? You haven't even watched my film yet, have you? <laughs> Um, well, it's, uh, it, it's, you haven't I'm, watched I'm, my film, Zod, where I portray <laughs> someone with a Filipino accent. So, so it's, maybe you should watch my work. Okay. okay. <laughs> like I support your improv, but nonetheless. Yeah. I feel sufficiently shamed there. I, I do need to see your movie. You need to see it. <laughs> I've seen some of your other stuff. Okay. That's fair. completely fair. Uh, but let's talk about some Sarah Michelle Geller news. All right. This is, this is just for you, Sabby. During a recent visit on What Happens Live, Sarah Michelle Geller admitted that there was a steamy kiss in the Scooby-Doo movie between her and Linda Cardellini's Velma. As you know, Sarah Michelle Geller played Daphne, right? Yeah. It, she said it got cut. There is an actual kiss between Daphne and Velma that got cut. I feel like the world wants to see it. I don't know where it is. And Geller also revealed um, that Daphne um, 
revealed that an insult after you meet the Fred about Fred being gay was also cut from the theatrical release, too. <laughs> I mean, he does wear that, you know, what is that called? The, the ascot. The ascot, right. <laughs> it's a little and, much, Fred. I'd, little... I'd much rather watch this um, Scooby-Doo live action with Sarah Michelle Gellar, Linda Carlini, Matt Lillard, <laughs> etc., Freddie Prince Jr., instead of that garbage that Mindy Cowling is putting on HBO Max. So complete, <laughs> utter, I hate to say it, woke, over-the-top woke garbage. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, what, what? The Velma HBO Max animated series, Savvy. Are you familiar with it? I am not. Well, oh, it's basically... totally Vel- excoriated. Like, everybody hates it. Everybody. The right, the left, they, they both hate it. Yeah. So they made it overly woke. They changed the ethnicities of all the main characters except for uh, what's the the guy with the ascot? Fred. Fred. Fred was white. Daphne's now Asian. Velma is Indian. Shaggy has a different name, and he's um, but he's has the same clothes and, and attire, but he's black. Scooby is a woman, not a dog. Scooby's uh, not a dog. <laughs> Scooby is a woman. There's a woman it's named like Scooby. That, that's weird as hell. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's really. Did and, she talk? And, and there's no, there's no Scooby Doo. You gotta have a talking wait, wait, dog. Wait, wait, So, so does the Scooby character? Yeah, like Sab, Sab just asked. Like, does does she talk? I haven't seen it yet, but the Scooby character in in the Velma HBO Max series is a woman who talks. Yeah. Okay, so how is that like? Is that <laughs> right, doesn't talk like that, right? Exactly. So, uh, again, we would ra- much rather watch um, Sarah Michelle Geller, right? Right, Sabrina? Hell yeah. yeah. All day. Because, I, you know, I'd like to tease you. You know, for your birthday, I posted a picture of Count DeVol biting your neck. <laughs> and I said, I know that you'd rather have Buffy on your neck, but I, I love that. Say- rather have Buffy all over me anywhere than that old count Dracula I've I've I mean this is like my best time right now because it's my birthday so I can force literally my roommates my friends my boyfriends my family members to watch Buffy and play the games this is like the best like I'm getting (laughs) everything I can out of the first two weeks of my birthday I love it it's like Buffy up in this bitch (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, is anyone watching um last of us because when we get back from the classic cut i'd like to talk about this incredible show the last of us zada you watching i've heard it's really great it's phenomenal it's phenomenal we'll talk talk a little bit about that when we get back but uh i did have a um yeah you know we like to throw out a little special topic and i wanted to do that when vanessa was with us but as you know, in the in the headline news, there was a Chinese spy balloon that kind of made its way from like Montana to the East Coast and the Carolinas, right? Uh, it took four days before uh, I guess Biden decided to have the this Chinese spy balloon shot down. Uh, it was like the butt of a joke in Saturday Night Live where um, Bo and Yang played the, <laughs> played the Chinese spy balloon. But if you were able to um, direct a spy balloon of your own. Where would you go and why? Let's start with uh, Savvy, because I think I, I think you have some. Uh, I think I know where you're going. What you're gonna guess? Uh, well, go ahead, Savvy. Where would you want your spy balloon to go? My spy balloon. Oh, 
See, I, I already have like four things that automatically came to my head, but I was <laughs> right. like, no, you shouldn't say that because you're a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking something Buffy, but, you know. Yeah, I was like Sarah Michelle Gellar's mansion. <laughs> <laughs> that was completely acceptable. That was completely acceptable. <laughs> but then but, I was like, wait, maybe I should be spying on something that would be more financially beneficial for yeah. me. So then I had to think about that a little bit. I don't know. I'm going to okay. start with Sarah Michelle Geller's mansion. Okay. But I'm going to move into some kind of classified information that I can sell for yeah. money. Um, Zod, do you um any anything that you'd be you know curious to watch on um, that a spy balloon can capture? Well, if you if you were able to. The first thing that pops in my head, the first like non pervy thing at least, is the. <clears throat> The idea that like uh, depends on because like uh, a spy balloon like that, I'm assuming you're 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 thinking it's like omniscient where it can like look in so you can actually like watch stuff like and listen the, and listen to things, too. Yeah, that's not right. really like I, I think the spy balloons do it more like electronic surveillance, like radio surveillance stuff. But it's like a. Um, so <clears throat> one of the first things I think about is it's always really fascinating to me and it ties into the Sarah Michelle Geller's mansion type thing, but maybe not specifically Sarah Michelle Geller <laughs> that uh-huh. uh, people, you know, especially like famous people and people who like live these lives that are like, like, you know, super rich people, like someone, well, Elon Musk is a piece of shit, but someone, you know, wow. You know, when, when you that. see, when you see the uh, when you see like, you know, it's it's fascinating to me to see what their lives are like when they're not so incredibly curated and like, you know, run by like PR firms and everything like that. And to see like what they're really like when nothing is around. And I I would think that would be like really fascinating to me, especially like. You know, they do things and like just like general parts of their lives are like completely foreign to us, us like normal peons. And, you know, it'd be really interesting to see, especially when they don't realize anyone's watching and they're not like mugging okay. to a camera or like it's like a reality show where it's all scripted or anything like that. OK, that's completely fair. I guess I have to think of something um, really cool and clever, but uh, um, I feel like traumatized by like a lot of really rich people. I'd be like, God damn it, there really are tools in real life. Like, <laughs> I just had this vision of like Ivanka Trump getting out of bed, like, where right. are my smoked oysters? Like, <laughs> I- right. Um, <clears throat> you know what? Um, you know, it's funny. I came up with this topic because I was. Uh, trying to come up with something very clever. So, I mean, I could say the easy, you know, what, what Savvy said and pick my favorite celebrity, which would be Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie and go into her bedroom and spy right, well, Karen, If we're going to go that route. I've been really into Karen Gillan recently. Ooh, so. yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah Gunpowder Milkshake was like the bomb.com. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, And you know what? I mean... One of the biggest secrets is what is the uh, what is the uh, uh, I was coming up with something, but it, it just wasn't coming out. But um, you know what? I would like to know what goes in the head of uh, Mark Zuckerberg. 
Okay. Well, that yeah. kind of ties in. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, He's a very fascinating character. He's also created Facebook, which is now Meta. Yeah, I have and, a feeling though we, you might be horribly disappointed if you actually if we yeah, actually I, did. I want to know what goes behind. You know, someone's in Facebook jail. Like they they clearly um, use AI or some kind of bot to kind of scour people's posts. And um, I want to know how that process works and what they consider offen- offensive and why maybe posts about vaccines you know about the you know the yeah some people believe that the vaccines are very very harmful or you know um but yet they won't let some things um pass you know because it's a i feel that everything is very political and opinionated based um with meta with facebook instagram all those companies and when something gets banned i'm curious what goes on with that you know um no but do you think mark zuckerberg is the one that's like controlling and monitoring all that shit because i feel like he's not doing that i feel like he's making the executive decisions he's probably making the executive decisions but if there's anything i know about executives most of the time they have no idea what like going on yeah right they're like oh we do that uh, great we'll keep doing that So I think this is a, the perfect time to take a classic cut break, but it's not so much a classic that Sabby, I mean, obviously Sabby's the birthday girl. She gets the cut. Um, this is more of a cool cut though, right, Sabby? It's more of a cool cut okay. um, because I feel like it kind of reflects my my mood right now in this okay. time being um, because I'm feeling very, I guess last year was a really rough year. With the breast cancer and all oh, the yeah. death. Oh, and God, yes. Kind of like, of you know what? It is time. Can we mention time. one of them was the amazing Siren the Entertainer, Davis? Yes. One yeah. of them was the amazing Siren the Entertainer. Um, and I kind of feel like this is just, this is the time. Now I'm going to be a fucking savage. Like, I'm a little crazy, but apparently people like that. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> It's just this is my time, and and if it's not my time, I'm gonna make it my time because Jesus Christ, like there's just only so much more I can take. <laughs> okay, so what's the song you picked? So I picked Daisy by Ashniko. Okay. Which was that? No one really knows, but that's because she doesn't really have that many songs out here in America. But I'm pretty sure most of the chicks anyway will feel this song, and they'll be about it. And it has a very also, important message. I love, like, when my boyfriend and I get into, like, fights, and he'll be like, you're crazy. I'll be like, I am crazy, but you like it. And he'll so, agree. That's uh, No that's, choice but to agree. You know? <laughs> All right. So this is, yeah, this is Ashniko with Daisy. We'll be back right after the classic cut. Okay. Oh, no, sorry, the cool cut, because it's a modern song. It's, <laughs> it's not cool close. cut, yes. We'll be back right after that. You don't want to see me bratty. Pet the kitty, call me caddy. Make your man call me daddy. He talk too much, he's too chatty. CEO, I'm savvy. Respect the bitch, I'm a maverick. Flexible, so elastic. But don't you dare bend the bitch backwards. Fuck a princess, I'm a king. Bow down and kiss on my ring. Being a bitch is my kink. What the fuck else did you All right. <clears throat> Yeah, that was uh, the cool cut. That was a cool song and really cool video too. I got to check out that video. Thank 
She's yeah. kind of I know some things. I got she's wild, but she's pretty sexy. I gotta admit, you know. I know she is. <laughs> I think she'd be like, you know. Yeah. Or she'd be your swing. Yeah, you check her outside. You might like her. <laughs> yeah. Dash Nikki. I love how he he giggles. He's like hee hee hee. <laughs> you get so excited. God likes the girls. Do I do? That's why I keep my edge, right? like sense of wonder. <laughs> I know. I love it. <laughs> so the the big series on HBO now is The Last of Us. So it's based on the, the popular video game. It's um, it's about a, an apocalypse, um, a dystopian apocalypse. But instead of zombies, where they're you know they're dead people that get reanimated in zombies. They're infected people by this crazy strand of mushroom or fungus, which causes, you know, mushroom-like appendages. It's really the the infected look really gross. By the way, they can co- be like a complete mushroom face. They can have like spores hanging off their their necks. They have like, oh man, it, it's just some of the, the the scare factors in some of these infected people are way beyond grosser and scarier than anything I've seen in The Walking Dead. And um what is this? What is this? The Last of Us on HBO. It stars Pedro Pascal, as you know from The Mandalorian and Oberyn Martell from Game of Thrones and Bella Ramsey who was also in Game of Thrones as the little bear. So she plays uh her character is 14 years old even though I believe she is 18. And then um Pedro Pascal plays um joel the popular uh protagonist from the video game and uh i gotta admit man that show is fan freaking tastic zod i i think you're gonna really love the last of us it's yeah i've uh, i've heard like especially the most recent episode i guess there's something huge that happens with nick offerman nick offerman is the focus on episode three they just dropped episode four already oh okay okay nick but offerman... people are saying People were saying yeah. episode three was like this work of absolute art. It was so like it, de- it depends who you ask. So, so if you talk to someone like Chachi, he hated it because he thought it was boring and it was, you know, slow or whatever. Then you have people that loved it, absolutely loved it. So I've I've heard people from opposite sides of the the spectrum talk about it now. Of course, Nick Offerman plays a gay character, and Chachi told me it's not because he's a gay character and it's a gay love story. It's because he said it was boring. He felt it was filler, that particular episode. But um, you know what? It was well acted. I haven't seen Nick Offerman's kind of role. I kind of think it was a challenge for him to take on because we know him for comedy. And here he's doing a very, very serious role, you know? now, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, definitely check it out. It's Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett as Bill and Frank in The Last of Us. So, um, you know what's really crazy? The the fungus that they're talking about, cordyceps. Do you guys know mm-hmm. what? Cordyceps. It, it's actually based on an actual fungus that can affect yeah. insects. Yeah, yeah. There's a like. Uh, there is this. You you have to look up sometime. I don't know. I'd have to find it. I remember seeing it on Reddit once. This. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> this thing where like uh like parasites and fungi what they'll do like they they showed it was in this um in the snail and because the cordyceps mm-hmm. usually affect uh usually affect ants and the way it works is right. that it tries to go up and um 
you know, uh, get into, uh, it kind of like forces the ant to go into environments that are better for the cordyceps and for it to spread. There's this freaky fucking video of a... Alteration of the host behavior. Yeah. As a well, way to increase the parasite survival. Yes, that's a perfect way, way of describing it. Yeah, God. yeah. And it's, yeah, again, based, the cordyceps, yeah, that fungus is based on an actual fungus, but this one affects adults. Mm-hmm. And it's scary when it does affect the adults and turns them into monsters. Right. Now, episode four had a very interesting um, introduction of a character played by Melanie Linsky. You might know her from Yellow Jackets and um, um, was that the two, two, what's the two men show with Charlie Sheen? Two and a half men. Two and a half men. Thank you. She was also in Two and a Half Men. I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff, but she plays a very, very interesting character that you should check out. Um, but you know what? They they try to stay close to the source material of the video game. So they say. Did you ever play the game? I have not. Yeah, That's neither kinda, have I. It came out when I got out of gaming, um, mm-hmm. right after um, GTA uh, Vice City. It was kind of like when I stopped. Uh, I think I Elliot, the time I stopped Page, Elliot Page, back when uh, Elliot was Ellen Page, mm-hmm. like uh, is one of the voice actresses in the movie, in the game. Okay, yeah. So there you go, yeah. But season one will be an entire first game. Uh-huh. Now, they want to go more than two seasons. Ready to greenlit for season two. And the, the second game was released a couple years ago. They said that the season two will probably be part of the second game. Because they can probably fit a lot more story in multiple seasons. So I'm not sure. It could be three or four seasons because it was such a big hit on HBO. Um, but yeah, you see a lot of the Easter eggs. For instance, one of the voice actors from um, The Last of Us video game played the live action version. And that's Marlene. Oh, okay. Yeah, Marlene is in it as well. I'm sure, I'm sure Elliot Page will appear in the right. show at some point. And you know the, the 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 story, the the love story with with Bill, um, who's Nick Offerman's character, that was kind of expanded. That that wasn't really exactly based on the video games. A little bit of departure, but it kind of still um, covers how Joel and Ellie took the the pickup truck belonging to Bill um, at the end of that episode. Uh, won't get into spoiler territory, but. Uh, it follows that aspect. So, uh, yeah, it's a very, very, very cool series. Um, but we will uh, get back to that a little later. Uh, let's welcome our, our special guest here on BTB, actor extraordinaire, Paul Sidhu. Yes? I hope I, I pronounced that correctly. Hi. Yes. Hey, Paul. Hi. From uh, this great film called Repeater that you can find on all your pretty much all the the streaming platforms uh i watched mine on amazon prime today um uh good to have you on below the belt show paul thanks for joining us my pleasure thank you for having me absolutely and wow what what a great film and um i gotta tell you first of all before we get into repeater i think it's cool that as an ethnic actor and myself being an ethnic as well you play a john smith character which that doesn't happen too often, you know, when right. when, uh, when an actor of, of color gets to play, um, you know, a, a John Smith, for that matter. So 
I was curious how that came about, and they they didn't kind of play on the ethnicity of your ethnicity, or maybe because I'm sure you might have played, you know, ethnic characters in your acting career, but going as a John Smith character. So I thought that yeah. was really interesting. So, so the the writer um, who originally wrote the screenplay, this a guy named Benjamin Budd, he wrote Repeater like several years ago, and I think at the time they had um, a deal with, um, I think it was either Hannibal Studios or Warner Brothers. So they had someone attached. So the the person they had attached or the actor they had attached was a John Smith. So, um, but for some reason, the, you know, it, it just didn't get made. Um, things fell through, you know how it is in the business. So the script right. kind of went silent for a few years. And then I was coming off of, uh, Winter's Dream, which is a science fiction film I was doing. And the producer for Winter's Dream had picked up the script for um, Repeater. And he was already um, producing the movie with this with the director, R. Ellis Frazier. And Frazier um, saw, happened to see Winter's Dream at the same time the movie was launching and he's like hey you know why can't we get this guy to be uh john smith and so that that's kind of how it happened they weren't like really it, it was you know you know how most things are in this in this business um mm-hmm. a lot of things that i that happen to people are basically you, you get lucky right right you're you're in the right place place at the right time at the right time mm-hmm. and you get lucky and that's all there is to it. I mean, there are a thousand other guys could have done it, but I, I just happened to know I was coming off a film with the producer who knew the director and the director introduced me through the film I was on. And so it just, it was just easy. And we just did it. <laughs> I mean, cause Paul, this is a lead role. This isn't, you know, to, to, to be attached to a film with Corbin Burnson and uh, sorry, Christina Loken. Christina Loken, yeah. Yes, and Christina Robert Loken. Burson and yeah. Nick, Nick Moran and Gary Daniels. Yeah, yeah. And and just to have, you know, your name on that, you know, marquee, you know, with, with those great names, is, that's got to be an amazing feeling, right? That was really, that was that was nice. I was very grateful for the experience, and it, it was a lot of fun. This film was, um, you know, it's, it's in the action trope. So, you know, we, you know when you're, you know, when you're in the action genre and not necessarily dramatic action, in between takes, it's a lot of fun. The, the mood is lighter. Right. You're not, you know, you're you're not carrying the character over into like uh, the moments between. So you get to have a lot of fun with people and talk about different things. So it's it's cool. It was really cool. Yeah. Let's talk about Corbin Burnson because that guy is an, uh, a legend. You know, he's been in the yeah. business for for a long time. What was it like working with him specifically? Oh, it w- it was great. I I I remember we met in the we uh, I, I think we were sharing um, a trailer for some reason. <laughs> I think <laughs> what, what happened was there was a uh, something happened where one of the trailers didn't make it to set. So, um, you know, they asked like you know they asked, hey, is, is it cool that you and Corbin share a trailer? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> This is great. Corbin so was like, he was in there. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, and, and like this guy is like, it was it was amazing to watch him work because 
um, he was just coming off a show, um, and he, I think he flew in that morning, uh, to, to start, to start the film. And I mean, he knew his lines. I mean, he knew the, he knew the, the subject matter, but you know, he was like, Hey, let's run the lines together. And I was like, well, all right, let's run the lines together. And so he kept telling me, he's like, he's like, you know, we, we just gotta, you know, know the, he goes, he said like, know your character, but don't stress out about the lines. It's okay. If you don't know the lines, I was like, really? <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he was, he was, so it was just, it was fun. Like really his work style was really like kind of, you know, I, I don't know. He, he gave the impression he was shooting from the hip, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't because like well, when, when the camera rolled, he was like all there <laughs> and he was the embodiment of the character that yeah. I had been studying for like, you know, four months. I had the script and I was reading about his character. Who's my, who's my handler. Right. And, you know, I had my idea of like how this guy should be. And, and Corbin, <laughs> he, he made that, he, he materialized what I was, what I was imagining. Wow. And you mentioned shoot from the hip, but I can't imagine a film like Repeater um, letting itself to much improv, though, right? There wasn't really improv involved, was there? No, no. Yeah. It, it, was, it, was, we, we, it was all scripted. The, the, you know, the only improv was like if you got hit by accident or gave like a funny look or something. But, yeah. But that's, but that's about it. Everything else was like, I think the dialogue was, was tuned in. So we were okay there. Mm-hmm. Right on. So, Paul, reading through your bio, I mean, I know, like, uh, two two of your major projects that, uh, I mean, because you, you do a lot of writing and, and I think directing, too, with, like, the Akari decision and 2307. Did you direct those or? No, did you... no, no. No, I was I'm just um, I do I do writing, but I don't I don't do any directing. Oh, OK. OK. Well, still still, I mean, like you're you're involved in the actual creation process instead of just being a hired gun actor, you know, just reading someone else's words. Like, do you do you find that like, you know, when you uh, do you find those kinds of projects like more like. I know that there are some benefits and drawbacks to those kind of projects. For one thing, there are a t- shit ton more work. Like, do you? I mean, do you like those, or do you think? Do you like it when it's a little easier when you're like um, doing stuff like um, your other projects where you're, you know, where you're reading someone's else, someone else's words? Well, okay, so I think from the perspective of the actor's journey, it's certainly more beneficial when you're the writer because you're already understanding the nuances of the character because mm-hmm. you're you're helping to create the character you're understanding the history of the character so you're not building it on your own and you're really understanding the the meaning of each scene and the intent intent of it so you get to just spend a lot more time with the character and i think that's a real boon when you're in the independent world because when you do independent films because of the the budgetary constraints Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of pre-production so for instance you know when i wasn't involved for you know the you know the the writing or anything else for a film i did which was called hustle down which is right before repeater and you know, you get the script like maybe like four weeks in advance and then you go through it on your own and and 
you usually don't have access to the writer and mm -hmm. you usually don't have access to the director until you get on set. And so true, I think it yeah. becomes a lot more difficult in the independent world. Now in the studio world, it's obviously very different because they know what they're going to do a year in advance. They're going to get you the stuff six months in advance. You can read it, do your research, you know, go to Russia, go where you have to go to, to learn what you need to learn. Mm -hmm. And it's all covered, right? But in the independent world, it's not. It's all sort of on you last minute. So when you're the writer, then it's great because you're sitting with that character for, you know, a year on end, which is, I think, really helpful. Also, you could write your character in, in any project, right? You're like, I'm writing this specific character specifically for myself, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Like where you feel silence is appropriate, you can you can put that in. I, I tend not to be very, um, uh, you know, you know, I, I feel like silence tells more in a story than actual words. So like when I'm involved in the writing process, my character tends not to be, you know, super talkative, whereas the other characters might have all the cool lines and things like that. <laughs> I think it's just the way I, maybe I live my life. So I sort of project that onto the onto the page. Yeah, so just watching the film, a lot of great um, fight choreography and a lot of just high adrenaline, just you know, gun guns a blazing basically. Yeah. Thank you. Tell us uh, about I that. Say, I think that that's like kind of the key and the secret in um, horror movies is like not not saying what's going on to specifically or not even showing everyone, leaving more things to the um, audience's imagination really keeps. That like your your imagination, you come up with things so much more intricately in your imagination than you do when you see them visually. So just yeah, going back, I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I I love it when stories start off where you don't have a full explanation. There's not like a lot of you know heavy exposition in, in the in Act One where you're trying to figure out, hey, what's going on here? And then sometimes even at the end you, you draw your own conclusions and, and yeah, I, I, I love those kind of films and I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to that. So hundred percent. Yeah. With you there. Yeah. Yeah. But going, going back to, um, we we're talking about the, the high adrenaline acting, the guns, uh, in a film, especially an independent film. Of course, we know about the tragedy on the rust set. Yeah. Um, just talk about some of the precautions or, uh, that were made on your set of repeater, were you using actual, um, you know, weapons or were you using prop guns? I was curious on how, how that aspect went because there, there was a lot yeah, of that going on. Yeah, definitely. Sure. So so we used um, we, we had live fire um, throughout the film. Um, so, you know, everything that was was shooting, they were actual guns, but the ammunition itself was mm -hmm. not live ammunition. So when you're firing at something, you're going to hit whatever you're firing at. And so you have to be continually aware of where you're pointing the gun. So one of the things that I remember coming in there before doing the film, I, I went to do a, a gun safety course out in the desert. I spent about three days like just shooting guns. I, I had never shot guns before. The movie I did before, wow. Winter's Dream, was a science fiction movie. So I was shooting lasers. So there's really no, you know, it's just it's VFX. Yeah. So, it's so like I a blast of Star guns. Wars, right? <laughs> yeah, and then the thing, the, 
the thing that I would do for safety always was I would always get the gun and then the first AD would check the gun with me. And then even after they would check the gun, I would still fire the gun off in a different direction. I would, whatever gun I had in my hand, I would always fire it for some reason. I just wanted to fire it just to see what would come out of it. And also just never being cavalier with that in your hand, because you, mm-hmm. You know, I've read too many reports of like kids getting shot at home and things like that with guns. So right. you, you just are never cavalier with it. So you'll, I, you know, you consciously never pointed at anyone, even playfully this, that. So that's kind of, that's sort of the mentality you have. And we had some guys on set who had lots of experience with guns. Like there was a guy named Jacob Kressler there. He used to be in the Israeli army. And then there was a couple other guys. So, you know, there was a lot of, there was a high respect for firearms and when you have that you, you tend not to you tend not to wave them around and do goofy things with them yeah that's, that's so so important especially what happened with rust i mean that's yeah. that's something that should have been prevented that that cinematographer <clears throat> yeah. helena should still be with us and uh that's tough but, that's 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 a horrible horrible situation yeah, no doubt. So yeah. I'm glad that the precautions were made on on your set of repeaters. So, but um, I did get shot. I did get shot. So you did get even, shot. Yeah, even though we had all these precautions, there was a scene where I was running, and and fortunately it wasn't a live weapon. But the but but it hit me in the leg. It oh, like no. it like hit me, and I turned. Around, I looked at the guy. Oh my god! And I was like, "What are you doing?" And like he was like the expert. Like he was a sniper because he he was. They hired this guy. So that mm. the bullets would land right in front of my feet and behind my feet, but but <laughs> even even with like the best there, things can go sideways. But fortunately, right. it was just a you know just like I was like you know whatever. <laughs> like <laughs> what's it like, like when you get hit by those things? Is it like getting hit by like a BB gun? Yeah, I, I well I've never been hit by a BB gun, so I'm assuming like yeah it's it's just a little a little sting, but nothing nothing bad, nothing crazy. Okay, no bruising. Right, right, okay. for sure, for sure. Yeah. I, I got to ask about uh, Kristana Loken because I mentioned earlier, she is a beautiful woman. I, I We all remember her from Terminator 3. I was curious on, on right. working with her very closely since you had, you had a lot of scenes with her. Yeah. And uh, she's she's just amazing. She was great. She was... <laughs> Don't get too excited, Al. <laughs> have you seen Terminator 3? <laughs> Rise of the Machines. <laughs> he was a, a I, lot yes, of... Yes she was a lot of fun to work with and and she was very professional and it was great working with her in the action scenes because she um you know we would run any of the action scenes as many times as as it took and she wouldn't she never complained like you know she never got tired anytime the action choreographer would say like hey Kristana, are you okay flipping into this um into this like mat over here she'd be like sure you know and you know so it was it was fun because she she had like a really can-do attitude even like when we were fighting in the elevator um you know she obviously has more experience in action choreography than i do and so she was like hey you know elbow me here as opposed to here you know this and that so it was fun i i I took her i took her direction but then again we also had gary daniels who's like oh yeah like a legit martial artist so gary scenes you know i just you know i just let him do whatever he had to do and he he sort of like put me where i needed to be because 
you know, I remember one time we were fighting and he said, um, he's like, Paul, you, you, you got to duck. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll duck. He goes, because you're going to get hit in the head. I'm like, I don't want to get hit in the head. He's like, well, well then you got to duck. So he was kind of, he, he was teaching me during the scene. So it was fun. It was good. Wow. Yeah. So this is your first big action movie. Yes. This would be the first, this would be the first big action movie where Talk about thrown to the walls. Wow. Guns where, and, and fight choreography. Yeah. Where, where there's a lot and of fight. Congratulations. Yeah. Cause like, that's an awesome gig to get like an action yeah. movie where you have all this choreography and you get to be the badass. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get to, that's right. I, I got, I got to pretend that I was a badass. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all we can all hope for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and looking, looking through your bio, you're already live. You were, you were even before you became an actor, you were living at least my parents' dream where you went to med school and you uh, started your own medical practice. <laughs> you're an, you're an actual MD, Paul. I am. I'm, 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 Actually, I'm double board certified. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an MD. <laughs> do you still do you still practice or or is, I do. Is, yeah, you do. No, I I do because I you know it's interesting. Um, I I love it. I mean, I absolutely love being a doctor. Just just like I love acting. It's it's and sometimes wow. when I try and talk to my industry friends about it. There's a bit of a disconnect in the sense that they sometimes they can't understand, like, because they think it's they view it as a day job. Do you follow? So, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's your day job, but this must be your passion. But I'm passionate about both and I really enjoy wow. doing both. So I don't I don't view it as my day job at all. I love it. I mean, I look forward to doing that just as much as I look forward to doing this. And I know that it may limit me in some ways. Like I know that scheduling must be tough, right? What was that? Scheduling must be very tough. Scheduling's tough. And and, and it does limit you because let's be real. Like this industry is really, um, it's really critical that you're, you're at the right place at the right time. So if you're going to all the events in Hollywood and on the evening and you're listening to it, you're a, a publicist and they're telling you to go here and there you're going to meet more people and you're invariably going to get into more projects. But, but when you're like me, like you're kind of, you know, you're only there when you're doing the work and you're off in some other universe. Right. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to meet people. Would you eventually do a Dr. Ken Jung and eventually, uh, are you more familiar with Dr. Ken? Yeah, yeah, I, I am, I am. Yeah, who, who ended up uh, just following his dream of comedy, and you know, he was in The Hangover, and and um, no longer a practicing doctor. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I don't think so because I think that, I feel that I will be able to accomplish my goals as an actor, but Concurrent. I don't want to really give up being a doctor. I, I don't feel like I have to, so I'm not going to. <laughs> No, that's fantastic. I love hearing that. Uh, what What is your specialty uh, in, in the medical world? So I'm a dermatologic surgeon, so I do skin cancer surgery mostly. Wow. That's impressive. And especially uh, living in Los Angeles, you might have had a few celebrity clients over the years. I've, I've had a I've had a, a few, but they've never known that I was interested in that because I never talk about it. At, at wow, yeah, that is so cool, <laughs> Zod. I'm glad you did a little uh, digger, a uh, little deeper digging uh, 
Well, like I said, my parents would love you, Paul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my because... parents would love you, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's fantastic. A lot of respect, you know? And you have Thank three you. You. independent films upcoming. You have Uppercut, Escape from Blackwater, and Deep Stage. That's right, yeah. Ah, and you're an MD. So t- tell us a little bit about these three films. Okay. So let's start with um, we'll start with Uppercut. So Uppercut is sort of a the the director likes to call it um, a kind of a a bromantic comedy in in the sense because th- this guy the character I play Phil he has a love interest who's who's um, this female boxer and she's sort of kind of helping him you know it's sort of a coming of age story for him like she's she's helping him navigate the world and really stand up for himself. But at the same time, there's a guy in the film who he really admires and looks up to. So kind of, he acts as his guru. So it's like a, it's the relationship between him and the guy and how he admires him and tries to emulate him and look up to him and his burgeoning romance with, with, with the girl. So, and it's set in the backdrop of, of boxing. So, you know, he goes from, getting knocked out and um, and learning, you know, how to box and learning how to to stand up for himself in real life. And so it's um, it's a kind of a, it's a coming of age story. It's fun. It, it was it was a lot. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. So it was great. Oh, had you done comedy before? Like, did you have like a history in comedy? No, no. This is the first time. It's the first time I did comedy. Wow. And um, and and then D- Deep Stage, which is the other which is the next film is. That's a little more serious tone, but but the character once again is um, he's a little lighter. He's a he's a convict. I mean, and he's he's basically released from jail to help the DEA crack this fentanyl ring. And so it's so oh, it, wow. it it's it's around it's in the backdrop of the fentanyl crisis in the United States, but it's also takes advantage of Americana car culture because a lot of the you know, the, the fentanyl that we're seeing coming in is brought in through gangs that sometimes are affiliated with the car culture. And so that's part of it, too. And it's it, it's it's a pretty, you know, intense movie. But sounds like it. But at the same time, it, it's got, you know, it has it has this lighter moment. So it's um so it's uh it's a complicated film. It's but once again, it was a, it was a lot of a lot of fun. Good stuff. And then um, at last, Escape from Blackwater is just a hardcore dramatic piece. It's really with an action backdrop. It's it's about an attorney whose girlfriend goes missing um, abroad and he has to go figure out the details of why she's gone. But in the meantime, he gets convicted of her murder, gets put into a, a jail abroad. And it's his story of how he um, escapes and seeks justice. And in that particular film, you're you're playing your actual ethnicity, Mr. Singh, correct? That is correct. Yeah. That, yes. that one I I wrote. So I wrote I wrote like you know who I am. <laughs> As um and your ethnicity is uh, Indian. Yes, I'm from India. Yeah. That's right. Yes, from India. Yes, very nice. So there you go. So you can be Paul Smith or you can be Mr. Singh. So there you go. <laughs> it's all about having range because, you know, I'm Filipino, but I can play Latino. I've played Indonesian. I've played Hawaiian. So it's right. important to be able to uh, to uh, have a as an actor to to have a broad 
range, ethically ambiguous or, or what have you. So yeah, a hundred percent. Like as long as, I mean, we're acting is playing and you're inhabiting different characters and, you know, as long as the audience accepts you, I think you're okay. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Go for it. Nice. Nice. And are you um seeking uh, representation as far as the, an agent here in Hollywood? You know, that is my next thing that I got to get done. I, okay, I have cool. To, I've been like kind of sort of in my own world of, of writing and then producing and then acting and, and, but yeah, everybody, all my friends are like, dude, what are you doing? It's like you're you're making movies, you're and you don't have any representation. Something's wrong with you. And I was like, okay, yeah. so that's on the list. I'm gonna okay, good. I, I gotta yeah. get I gotta get headshots next week. I'm gonna get that taken care of. I love of. that. This and is the doctor gonna... actor, so this is completely understandable because <laughs> you have a response, very responsible day job. So right. <laughs> the fact that you that you're you're also pursuing <clears throat> acting like. A lot of us actors here uh, on the panel, you know, have, we all have other jobs too. And I think right. that you're a very good, um, just a shining example, uh, Paul. And I really respect that Thank that you you, you um, give importance to your career, your career as a doctor as an MD, and of course uh, your passion uh, of acting. So that that's really fantastic. And I think that's proof that really anybody in any industry can pursue the creative side of film. I, I, I think so. You, I think you can do anything in life at any time in life. And that's, I'm a big proponent of that. Don't, don't ever be like, Oh man, I'm 40. You know, what am I going to do now, man? You just do it. I mean, do whatever you want to do and get it done and forget it. about the chrono- chronological age. Forget about, you know, expectations. If you wanted to have three careers, have three careers. If you want to have one, one fine, just, you know, it's it's your life. You know, you got one life. Just you know, go for it. <laughs> awesome. Now, is there a particular acting goal that you would love to to conquer? Any particular role, or maybe actor that you'd love to work with? Um, you know, I don't know if this guy is going to make movies anymore, but I, I would have loved to work with George Clooney. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, really, I would have loved that. I mean, I, I this guy. He's so directing he now. He's he, directing he, and acting still. He had that movie with Julia Roberts yeah, recently. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know what he's doing, but um, but you know, but but in but in all reality, I I think I, I think really it's not so much about conquering a goal or 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 working with someone per se, but I think it's having a body of work where where people can say that yes, this guy is good at what he does. So I think it's, I think we're all looking for a little bit of legitimacy in what we do. And, and that would be nice because, you know, when, when we talk about actors like Corbin and, 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 um, Kristana and and Gary and and all these guys or, or Tom Sizemore, some of the guys that I've worked with, they're legitimate actors. People know them. They, they have a body of work. So, so I think we all strive for that legitimacy, regardless of, of where, you know, what kind of projects we're doing. It's like, okay, yeah, him, Paul Sadu, yeah, yeah he, he's an actor. Okay, I, yeah, I kind of know who he is, but yeah, but he's he's legitimate. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Wow. There, I think we're good. Paul, wow, thank you so much for talking to us here on Below the Belt Show. Of course, you can check out Repeater. I believe it's on YouTube, Amazon, um, Vudu, Roku. Listen, all those uh, streaming platforms, right? I believe so right now. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so you can see it on mo- your favorite uh, streaming platform. I enjoyed uh, enjoyed watching your performance uh, and Thank the you. film. Film was a lot of fun. Uh, my favorite scene was uh, the scene with the um, the room service. That was <laughs> room that, service. yeah, that was yeah. an action packed WTF yeah. moment. Uh, that so was good. That was a that good was one. Fun. So that that was look out for that scene when you see it because I don't want to talk any spoilers because people need to watch this film. Uh, so so Paul, before we let you go, if you could do a little promo, let us know who you are. Maybe even say Dr. Paul, right? Why not? Dr. Paul Sidhu. And let us know uh, your uh, your films. And then let us sure. know you're on Below the Belt Show. All right. Sounds good. Um, hello, all. My name's Paul Sidhu. I'm on the Below the Belt Show. Um, some of the projects I'm in currently that are out and streaming are 2307 Winter's Dream, Hustle Down, and Repeater, our current film. Please watch for Uppercut, Hustle Down and Escape from Blackwater. Um, and you can find me on uh, The Real Paul Sadu on Instagram. Yeah. Awesome. Real Paul Sadu. Dr. Paul Sadu. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, doctors, for talking to us. And Thank let's you. do a quick photo op. All right. All right. A one, two, and three. I know Sabrina, Sabrina was all over the place, but we got it in there. Okay. Uh, thank, thank you, Paul, uh, for, for being a, a guest on our show. You're awesome. My pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Sorry, Thank I'm you. burning my soup. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Bye, guys. That was Paul Sadu. Wow. Zod, I'm so happy you got that tidbit of uh, very important knowledge that Paul is, in fact, an MD, a doctor. Yeah, that- that's uh, when I was like, you know, I know I don't I don't do as much prep work as you do. Like I have an scene. <laughs> you did I the important. Pro- I watched the project. You yeah, found you out that he's actually watched doctor. the project, which I didn't get it. I didn't get any time That's to. Quite but, a way. but you because the I, bio the bio that I was sent did not mention Paul as a doctor. So you you digged a little deeper. Really? Because it was in the thing that you forwarded to me. <laughs> oh, okay. Never. Mind. whoops oh no to be to be fair to be fair like uh it was in that like microsoft word file that word doc that was in the in the attachment that's completely fair all right um well um let's drop a few more things and then wrap up the show so uh over on netflix um we were talking about romantic comedies a little earlier um and reese witherspoon and ashton kutcher returned to the rom-com movies they haven't both been in a rom-com in years and it's on netflix it's called your place or mine and reese is actually um a producer on the film so that's gonna drop uh yeah this friday so if you're looking for a good rom-com um because you know ashton kutcher he was like so many rom-coms the rom-com like, man yeah in the early 2000s and stuff like that yeah. and uh yeah he said that um he's had more fun shooting this movie than he's ever had and he said it was a choice he didn't need to do it didn't have to do the film and it wasn't a career building film he just like he just said he wants to do it mm-hmm. so he's uh, kind of he's kind of like a has he ever done any dramatic roles? I guess that butterfly. Yeah, the butterfly effect. Yeah, butterfly yeah. effect. Yeah. Think of. Yeah, he was in that great movie I saw at the Tribeca Film Festival. 
Um, the the oh gosh, the title's escaping me, but that was a it was a dark comedy, and uh, it was that um, that young actor um, Novak from The Office. Bj Novak. Bj Novak, yeah. Um, he had a role in that. Um, a really really crazy role in that film. Um, which I highly recommend that film. But the title what, is escaping. What was it called? The title is escaping me. I have to. Oh, is it called Vengeance? Yeah, it's called Vengeance. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw like a little thing about that. That looked. Oh yeah. I, I went to the Tribeca that. premiere for that. It was, that was a crazy film. I, I highly recommend it. Mhm. So um, so what else on Netflix? Well, uh, you know about Prince Andrew, right? He's pretty much a disgraced royal. <laughs> He's been taken away oh, all yeah. royal rights. They're doing actually a limited series based on his famous interview. In 2019, you know, where they address the Jeffrey Epstein connection and that. Oh, the one where he like sweat and like yes. got all yes. silent. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah. And Gillian Anderson will be playing the BBC News anchor, um, Emily Matlas. Um, and then uh, Prince Andrew will be played by Rufus Sewell. Um, and then uh, also Billy Piper, you might know from Doctor Who, is also in it as well. Um, so that'll be a limited series that will be on Netflix. So that's something to check out. Um, and speaking speaking of Ashton Kutcher, uh, not, that '90s show was uh, renewed for a second season. Is that any good? We've seen mixed reviews. On a lot that. of people, a, a lot of people like it, and all the original cast is back except for Hyde. As you know, he's got that rape trial. You know. Yeah, yeah. Up, I guess so they, a, I guess a sexual assault kind of precludes <laughs> getting invited he got to canceled from that show the ranch that he was doing at ashton so yeah. you know you know he was going to come back unless he was cleared but you know we talked about last week that ashton really truly hopes that he's found not guilty um because you know he, he his heart believes that his friend couldn't possibly do those things but he said he would take ownership he would you know you know understand if, if that was the case you know so but um, if you're a fan of the show Sex Life on Netflix, uh, the season two uh, trailer just dropped, and you might know the beautiful Sarah Shahi. Um, she is, uh, yes, quite quite spicy in that one. Um, Netflix also has an animated comedy called Agent Elvis. Uh, a trailer just dropped for that where Matthew McConaughey himself will voice Elvis Presley. Um, and he trades his jumpsuit for a jetpack when he gets in, inducted into a secret government spy program. You know, there's a the, that's funny. a I know what that's based off of. Apparently, um, Elvis by Priscilla, by the way, by Priscilla Presley, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Elvis Elvis once met Richard Nixon and he like pretty much just kind of like it wasn't even a planned meeting. He, he just like went to the White House and. Yeah. They were like, oh, this is Elvis. So they brought him in and Richard yeah. Nixon was there and he went up and he offered to become a secret agent. He wanted to be a secret agent. <laughs> like, right. And don't know if that don't know how serious he was or not, like in saying that. But it's like this crazy because like Richard Nixon's like, uh, OK, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, right. <laughs> Oh man! Um, also, Benedict Cumberbatch will have a limited series called Eric, 
Um, it's a six episode series. He's joined by Gabby Hoffman, McKinley Belcher the third, among many more. And it's set in 1980s New York, where um, the desperate search of a father when his nine year old son disappears one morning on his way to school. So, um, sounds like a very, very dramatic um, family drama. Um, so, uh, tune in for that. Benedict Cumberbatch, of course, a phenomenal actor. Doctor Strange, right? Um, mm-hmm. Paramount Plus news. So, apparently, there's rumors that Kevin Costner will be leaving the ratings juggernaut of Yellowstone, which I'm very surprised to hear because he wants to focus on his upcoming project is western film called horizon which he's directing and starring in but apparently oh, Coster is pretty much just like gonna do westerns now forever maybe he found his niche because he yeah. found a big hit on yellowstone <laughs> and prior to yellowstone was was he doing much <laughs> you know it's like well i mean like you know he's someone that like you know he was a huge star in the 80s and 90s and then right. kind of fell off the the uh-huh. um Fell off the radar for a while, and but yeah, he just like right off the radar. That's exactly what I'm saying. And now he's yeah. back with this, back to being a household name. In fact, this the prequel, the 1923 series, which somehow got Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren to be a part of, which I think is insane. They're getting a second season, so that's tremendous. That's absolutely tremendous. Um, you know, it's funny because Paul Sadu, our guest. Said he would love to work with George Clooney, but he doesn't know what he's doing. But George is actually directing and producing a political thriller for Showtime called The Department. And it's based on the acclaimed French drama series Le Bureau de Legends. And um, it's based on the riveting series The Bureau. And um, and kind of in the tradition of Homeland. On a series? Okay, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, so kind of like, you know, just like Ho- Homeland, elevated global espionage, you know, the department will take viewers into the world of intrigue and subterfuge with characters who struggle with their own demons as they fight existential threats to the nation and the world. So there you Excellent. go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. George Clooney taking the back seat, the handsome George Clooney, you know, he's kind of, he wants to be behind the camera lately, it seems, you know? So that's that's what he was doing, Dr. Paul. <laughs> um, and apparently Showtime, which is now going to go over to their their streaming platform, will be on Paramount Plus because they don't have a they don't have a streaming um, network for Showtime stuff. So apparently, are they uh, getting rid of Showtime anytime? They're or? not going to get rid of Showtime, the linear cable channel. They're going to have their own exclusive programming for the cable people, and then the streaming people will be able to watch Showtime stuff. Okay. On Paramount Plus with this new deal, and they're gonna um, they're gonna expand the Dexter series with a prequel series. They're gonna do a, a billion spinoff apparently, so they got some stuff in the works. Um, with Dexter? They're doing they're doing a prequel for Dexter. Yeah, Dexter Origins. Hmm. Yeah. So. They had this it's gonna be it's not it can't be with the same guy though, right? He looks old now. Well, yeah, it, as a prequel, I, I can't imagine much of the original cast. Yeah, they're gonna hire a new actor for it, probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we'll see. Let's see, what what does Hulu have? They have the White Man Can't Jump remake <laughs> with Jack Harlow, which is his acting debut. 
which is um, you know based on the 1992 comedy with Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. And um, yeah, you know the trailer looked kind of fun. Um, it's a film I don't know why they're rebooting it, but I mean it's it doesn't scream a re uh, the film that would scream a reboot, but I don't know. It was a I enjoyed the movie. I remember seeing yeah, it but the, a long time it, ago. Yes, I mean, I, I I agree with you, Al. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I mean, that, I just, that can I think get there's a reboot. so many other movies we could reboot. That would be so much cooler. But White Men Can't Jump, yeah. I don't know. The trailer looked, it looked okay. I mean, it's just this guy, Jack Harlow, who's a great artist. But, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, over on Amazon, well, we have The Consultant, which is Christoph Waltz's pandemic-era corporate workers nightmare. Basically quoted as, for those who work remotely, you have one hour to get here or you'll be terminated. <laughs> that causes a lot of fear in us teleworkers, right? Yes, it does. I work from home. <laughs> and Amazon is uh, producing two new series set within the Bosch universe, which that's one of the longest running shows on Amazon is Bosch. So look out for what that. What is that show even about Bosch? It's a, it's a procedural. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a, it's a. Oh, Bosch. Bosch. You watch Bosch? Bosch. On Amazon. Mhm. Do you watch it? Like when you mess up your surgery. Oh no, no that's no, botched. No. It's B O S C H. I was like, is it botched? Al. <laughs> a procedural show about but bad, bad, uh, bad Botox or something. Yeah, it's, it's, the the character's name is Bosch, so. Okay. Uh, yeah, if you're a fan of that, you're gonna get um, two new series in that world. So, woohoo! Um, <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, Apple. Um, well, you know, um, Cliff Curtis. You might have, uh, you might know him from Fear the Walking Dead, or he was actually featured in the Avatar: Way of the Water. He's gonna be <laughs> recurring in Jason Momoa's upcoming Apple series, Chief of War. So, um, yeah, Tamara Morrison's in it. You know, and it's it's cool because they're casting a lot of like um, um, New Zealand Maori um, people and uh, Native American people to kind of kind of stay true to um, you know this basically nine episode series that follows the unprecedented telling of the unification and colonization of Hawaii from the indigenous point of view. So. I'm sure they had to be very like particular casting for that one, so then no one gets all up in arms. Oh, he's Latino. Why is he playing, you know, Hawaiian? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Who knows about that? Um, and um, let's see. So yeah, we, I mentioned earlier like Saturday Night Live um, had Pedro Pascal host, and there's this really really funny um, skit they did with The Last of Us, but with Mario. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, uh, Zod. I saw that. I saw that on. Um, yeah, I saw the clip. That was okay. Funny. Wasn't it funny? Yeah. Uh, as you know, uh, Pedro Pascal portrays Joel in The Last of Us, which is a very dark, dystopian drama, but gives the Mario characters a more of a dystopian feel. So it was pretty funny. Um, and man, talk talk about what a career. Pedro Pascal has because now he's a part of the Star Wars universe and this last of us is like the biggest hit on HBO right now. So Mandalorian season three is going to, you know, coming up uh, next month. So I'm really, really excited about that. And 
we already mentioned the uh, bone yang as the chinese um, spy balloon so <laughs> um some grammy highlights i know um sabrina you got to experience the grammys right i've been a couple times myself i did experience the grammy yes. someone i know rhymes with pal took me yeah for my birthday two years and we ago. also have to thank our friend rick peters who was uh, a, a member of the voting academy on uh, the washington yes. C chapter so uh who extended invites for us to go and uh yeah beyonce the big winner the most decorated artist in grammy history um and harry styles he won uh, best uh pop vocal album as well as best album of the year um which is a huge huge um yeah that's a huge award for sure uh beyonce going back to beyonce really quick uh she now um won four awards and now has a total of 32 grammys to her name that's a lot and she's not you know you know she's still got a career <laughs> ahead of her you know she's not quitting anytime soon um she broke the record of conductor george salty who won 31 awards and died in 1997 so um beyonce also won uh dance electronic music album for renaissance um that's cool um bonnie Raitt of all people won song of the year um which i i'm really you know, this is contemporary music. Bonnie Raitt's kind of like a, you know, an artist that's legendary, but known for, you know, doing well during her time, you know? Yeah. It's uh, the Grammys will do that. They'll, <laughs> they'll, throw, they'll throw a legend of bone once in a while. Right. I said, I think it kind of proves that they're run by like an elite group of people. Cause it's like, yeah, like, Bonnie Raitt won some, okay, that's cool. What song? Like have either and none of us on the panel have heard this song, <laughs> right? But they see her name. I mean, you know what song? Her. Am I wrong? Well, there's a there's a there's this uh, infamous uh, infamous in like um, I guess I don't know it's like early like maybe like 1990 or so one of the first like heavy metal um, category the first Grammys when and it it was. Um, I remember like all these like metal bands like Metallica and Megadeth and all them were were nominated and you know who won that year Jethro Tull. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that is. <laughs> well, Jethro Tull is this like classic rock band from you know known for like stuff in like the seventies. Right. And uh, but it was just like so out of left field. It was the very first time the Grammys had ever had a heavy metal category too. And they still <laughs> have their metal category for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, um, interesting. Um, Kim Petras and Sam Smith won Best Pop Duo Group for their um, performance for Unholy. And I mean that song was bomb. Bo- the song was bomb. Kim Petras acknowledging that she is. Um, transgender which i am very i mean that that's commendable number one but um looking at her i would have never guessed she looks amazing um apparently got her transition started her transition very early in life um and viola davis uh, is now the egot so that's when you win an emmy grammy oscar and tony um, so she won for the audiobook 
uh, a memoir called Finding Me. So I can understand where the great actors of our time might be challenged to get a Grammy because you got to do something like this because a lot of actors aren't singers or performers. So the, the way they have to be able to win a Grammy is maybe through a storytelling award, you know, like that. So. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think that's how most of the EGOT winners, the ones who aren't mm-hmm. known as musicians. Yes. That's how they, they would get them. That's how they would get the Grammy, yeah. And yeah. Dave Chappelle, despite all the controversy, won Best Comedy Album for The Closer. So, um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, and one thing uh, that we should mention, uh, that they have that in memoriam for all the artists that, that have sadly left us and they um they mentioned the obvious ones like uh olivia newton john and recently lisa marie presley and david crosby but apparently a lot of people are upset they didn't mention aaron carter nick carter's brother who was a pop artist of course he sadly passed away due to to the his demons um but um nonetheless you know they they have a limited amount of time there and i'm watching this uh, in memoriam segment and my god there are so many artists that we've lost yeah last year and with lisa marie that just makes just soak over the top you know um leaving newton john that one broke my heart because she's she was, um, yeah irene yeah it's uh, another big one we had the pleasure of meeting her actually me and leah vogel for click on this uh, me too. I was there. <laughs> I yes, was there. Yes. I was in the house. Yeah. God, yeah. She's such a such a great talent. Just a wonderful, mm-hmm. beautiful soul, and we definitely will miss her. Okay, uh, almost done here, but the the Me Too news. Um, we talked about a couple things uh, going on in that world. Dance with the Wolves. Remember that movie? Uh, an actor, Nathan Lee, chasing his horse. Can you believe that name? That that is truly a Native American guy. Apparently mm-hmm. ordered ordered to be held without bail. Accused of sex trafficking, sexual assault against a child younger than 16, and child abuse while allegedly leading a cult. Arrested Tuesday afternoon near, near his Las Vegas home. He shares with his five wives, dude. What? Five okay, wives. Okay, so now the, the sex trafficking thing sounds real. And runs Child. a sex trafficking ring. And yeah, very evil, evil person. That sounds horrible. Sounds absolutely horrible, yeah, right, Chachi McFly? Awful. What's going Chachi. on? Chachi! Join us a little late. I guess you had a party tonight you had to go to. Hold on a second. Hold on. I'm trying to connect here. Another, while Chachi uh, joins us uh, and gets connected. There we go. There we go. There we go. Uh, that, sounds, that sounds better. Can you hear me now? Okay. Sounds like you're driving. Yeah. Are you driving Wait, again? I, mean, I am driving. I knew you were doing something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I ended up seeing a concert tonight. Oh, who'd you see? It was um the lead singer of Soul Asylum and oh, um, Living Dave Color. Perter. Dave yeah. Perter and Vernon Reed. Wow, that's a uh... wow. No, the um the did he do Runaway uh, Train? Oh, uh, the lead singer, uh, Corey uh, something, right? Yeah, Corey, right? Yeah, he has an, an amazing voice. Super talented, you know. And of course, you know, I love Soul Asylum. They had, you know, they did Runaway Train, train right? Of course, and like Misery. Oh, did they, yeah. So did they just play like the hits from their respective bands? Um, like Corey from Living Color did a lot of like covers and new songs. He did sing Call It the Personality, which was like the big one that he sang from his 
old yeah. one. Heck but yeah. He, but I mean, he just had this amazing voice um, to sing and even singing covers and everything. I know, like he was super talented. But I'm just excited about Sabrina's birthday here. Yeah. Well, we got you joining us, albeit late, but still nonetheless. We're pretty much just wrapping up. So just join us for the last. Uh, Last part of the show, Chachi, is we... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, take your time now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both miss Sabrina's um, I know. amazing Buffy-themed party, but uh, we're going to do um, free movie yeah, night I'll, sometime soon. I guess yeah, some, we, could uh, do, we could do with something. I mean, I, don't put it past me to not dress like Buffy. So. Yeah, I can see some of your costumes. I haven't seen any of your costumes from that night. There you go. You can like, wear your Buffy so- costume. I will definitely wear my Buffy costume. I was working that blonde hair. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, we saw the photos. I was the only yes. day, so Sabrina would always dress up coming in the studio. I know. And especially for her birthday show, she'd always dress up. That's why we have to see uh, Sabrina. Yeah, it's be costume Wednesdays with Sabrina. That's right. That's right, Sabrina. Yep, yeah. I miss topless Wednesdays. Topless Wednesdays. <laughs> Sabrina <laughs> topless didn't really do. Wednesdays. She didn't do the topless that often. Or, I never no. did topless. No, no she never. You did. never ever did topless. No. Well, yeah. I thought you flashed us before. You never. I was like, I would remember. <laughs> I Maybe you did flash us once. I flashed you guys. I have flashed you, but I've never yeah. been in studio or on camera no, with you the people's house. Enough on your dad, but yeah, we definitely got a little, <laughs> little sweet chocolate there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hershey's chocolate kisses. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're just kind of uh, talking about some of the Me Too stuff. You know, I was kind of shocked about Oh Young Soo, oh. the old actor from Squid Game. Apparently, yeah. he, he acknowledged the guilt. Uh, he did. spoke to the press. Yeah, he said that I am sorry. I think I behaved badly, he said. So, I think. I think, yeah, I think I behave badly. I think I behave badly when you get too drunk at a work event. You don't say I think I behave badly when you get caught mm-hmm. like trafficking people. Well, oh, he wasn't. He wasn't the sex trafficker. He wasn't the sex trafficker. This is a, this is another. Um, another. Okay, I was gonna say like, <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the chasing horse guy, the yeah. American actor. Currently yeah. having a hot flash. Yeah. Well, this guy. Uh, okay, so, so what did he do? So he's 78 years old, first of all. So what he did was apparently attempted to hug an unidentified woman, forced a kiss on her, and inappropriately touched her. Um, Apparently they were on tour for a play in 2017. And Oh Young Soo admitted that he held the victim's hand, but denies there was any indecent assault. Um, the allegations originally brought in 2021. Later, prosecutors reopened the investigation after the woman appealed, and then O oh, admitted his wrongdoing when the victim asked for an apology. Um, so he hugged her and kissed her. Hugged her, kissed her, and touched her inappropriately. I don't know what that means, but uh, I mean, he's 78 years old. He, I'm sure he can't even like get aroused at this point. <laughs> Unless he was using what Hugh Hefner was using to bang all those playmates, but uh, how, many, how many times have you had old women like just like kiss you and like you know hug you and stuff like that? Like you know, it's like a friend of the family or, or anything like that. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, it's good. Point, doesn't make but, it right, but you know, but they don't, don't touch their like, your their crotch or anything. <laughs> well, is that what he did though? 
Uh, t- well, you say touched inappropriately. I would imagine the boob or the the groin area. I mean, that's just the cat. or the Google. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And Army Hammer, uh, the third thing on my. Oh, list. I know you love him. I know you love him, Savvy. I love him, and every time his name comes up, something horrific follows. Yes, he's an embattled actor, as you know, since the sex abuse <laughs> scandal, and apparently, um. He has responded at length to the sexual allegations, but accepts responsibility for being a selfish asshole who used people and moved on. Well, that's, um, that's human. Right. What do you mean? Like, like, like date somebody or, or, or have sex with them and move well, on? Well, he said a lot of it was due to his own childhood trauma is where his behavior comes from. And it, hmm. the way it was introduced uh, in his life, the sexuality was introduced in his life which at the time was completely out of his control. He was powerless then, and it was introduced to him in a scary way where he had no control. And then his interests went to having control of the situation. So that's basically where he's explaining his behavior because he, as a youth, was the victim of, of, of sexual abuse, you know? Um, but it, it all they're trying to get him on is for... Um having sex with somebody and then like not calling him back. Is that what he's in trouble for? <laughs> no, I think oh, it's... he's got a lot of, he's got a very like, Oh man, he's just twisted. Like, well, so, so basically he was, like, eating people. Yeah, well, exactly. He, he, so he wrote something where he fantasized about eating people. That's, I don't know. Fantasies don't, don't always equate to. I mean, I had that's a very good point. I thought he had eaten someone or eaten. No, like no, he would be, he would be, he would be in jail for a long time. If well, he I do have, I do have what he was alleged. Yeah, so basically Army Hammer. Well, okay. So basically this is what happened. Several women came forward with allegations of misconduct and messages containing BDSM fantasies and cannibalistic fetishism. Um, the most damning allegation came from a woman um, tied to a social media account alleged that Hammer had a sexual assault to her and they had been in a years-long relationship. And uh, apparently she got Gloria Allred, Flex's favorite lawyer, yeah. uh, to, to you know, get her to, you know, represent her. But no charges yeah, but, were left. But you don't think it was a misunderstanding? Like, I told many women I want to eat them uh, in the past, but I'm not talking I think about, I like... I wanted to eat them. Some of them yeah, in I'm, a way I'm and some of them... But you wanted to eat them. you wanted to eat their pussy. You didn't want to eat Right, right. Well, right. I mean I did one skin into a fight with a girl and I told her that now I mean you have to add alcohol into all of this because of what course. I'm about to say is gonna sound really crazy. But I did maybe say <laughs> that I would cut her eyeballs out and eat them. Um, no, I was just so I could sound scary. <laughs> really my, my whole agenda oh, there. You want to eat her eyes. Okay. Right. So apparently, uh, Army Hammer is reaching out to Robert Downey Jr. Um, as they're still friends who face a similar downfall as a result of, you know, drugs and alcohol, if you remember. And apparently, um, you know, he's helping with his recovery journey. And uh, talk to him about cancel culture and um, and how he was able to get his redemption. 
Um, so I can, he's kind of seeking that, you know, so. So he's been canceled for writing, writing that stuff to the women? Writing, but then one instance of sexual assault. Yeah. That never, that never, that, I guess charges were never officially filed, so. But yeah. It's, it's like, there's like, it's like, like, okay, Harvey Weinstein going around raping people. Okay, I get that. Bill Cosby going around drugging and raping people. Okay. You know, but now we're getting to the part where like, oh, he wrote stuff. That he wanted to do, like for like a fantasy, you know, I'd be like, okay, that's creepy, but you know, does he really just need to be fired for that? Agreed, but I'm gonna have to go. I'm actually, I agree with you, Chach, on this one. Like, just because he wrote down some fantasies that he wanted to have, doesn't mean that he should like lose his job and like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess <laughs> if it was if it was just that, then that's one thing. But if he's actually being credibly accused for sexual assault, <laughs> that's a, that's, right, a that's different. different, right? Yeah. 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 We're wrapping up. We're wrapping up. By the way, um, so um, really quick before we uh, wrap up the show, happy Super Bowl. Um, whether you're a Kansas fan or a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I hope your favorite team wins. But it's a great time to watch some great commercials. Apparently, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul will be doing a Popcorner Super Bowl commercial, which you can actually see online already. But it's actually uh, it's also, it's written and directed by Vince Gilligan. But you can see it online. But it will um, it will drop during the Super Bowl, but was, was it just last year that the Super Bowl there were like all of those Bitcoin and cryptocurrency Super Bowl yeah. commercials? Yeah, yeah. Cause they had that one with the QR code. Yeah, kind of Bitcoin type of thing. Yeah, or like because uh, I know at least one of them was that um, was that crypto like exchange that turned out that like was just completely built on fraud and that guy. It's it's so funny how like in just such a short span of a year. <laughs> yeah. So, like well, there's gonna be a lot of great commercials, so we'll be talking. Who knew that was gonna be a fraud? But I hate now that they have the commercials ahead of time. You know, like it, like I don't think that should happen. Yeah, you're right. Do it, but yeah, you know, I like not even knowing what's gonna be shown during the Super Bowl and just being surprised. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's it. It was a lot more fun back then. When yeah, you like, like, yeah. Oh my god. Right. A so, lot of things were a lot more fun back then. Exactly. Yeah. Life, life was more fun back then. Like, but yeah, you'd be surprised what came on. You're like, it'd be a, a trailer for a movie that you didn't know was even coming out. Right. You know, like everything. Now you so, know. Like, like yeah. Everything's so spoiled now. Like you, you, it's so hard for you to get surprised about anything. Well, I do guess. you remember when going to see trailers in the theater was fun? Like, oh, do you yeah. remember? When that was like exciting, be like, yeah. oh my god, this th- this trailer's coming out. A new, a new Batman movie's coming out. What the hell? A new yeah. yeah. Jones. Like, you see it, you're like, oh, like Warner Brothers. What's it gonna be? Oh, it's Batman. Like, what the hell? It's the you internet know, yeah, era, Batman gentlemen. Gonna have a sequel, like. Yeah. The internet era, of course. We get all those trailers ahead of time, and of yeah. course, we all know that Tom Brady officially retired this time for good. He will so be. He st- yeah, he'll be starting his sports casting duties for Fox in the fall of 2024. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he'll make some scratch so we can survive. Exactly. <laughs> well, I forget did he um make it to the Super Bowl last year? I can't remember now. Mm-hmm. Last year he didn't play in the Super Bowl. No, the year the yeah, year before okay. the year before yeah. it was it was the Rams and the um oh yeah and hey, the hey, Bengals the Bengals last year. year. He won yep. that year, right? 
Um, yeah, the, Ram, won, the Rams won, won that with year. The, with the Buccaneers in, what, I guess two years ago. Two years ago, a, yeah, they won, yeah. Ray Lewis was, did it right. I mean, he, like, won the Super Bowl and retired. I mean, he announced it before he was um, got to the Super Bowl, but, like, that's the way to do it. I go out on the top, you know, and, like, I he's got he, a six to go rings. to a different, what? He's got six rings. He's got enough for a Thanos. Yeah, Thanos uh, got team, and they play a different team, and they lose that season. And, like, it's kind of like when Michael Jordan went with the Wizards, and it's like, you know, it's like, it was still good to see him, but you're like, you know, he was on yeah, yeah. with the, with the, um, yeah. The Bulls, Chicago Bulls. And like, yeah, no, that's a very good comparison there. We got to give our well wishes to Jerry King Lawler. Apparently, he's in the oh, hospital. Yeah. He suffered a medical emergency and uh, underwent a stroke. Um, well, yeah, he underwent surgery wow. due to the uh, stroke. He's been on BTB, so um, we really, really wish him well. But we should mention someone that has been on our show many years ago, Leaping Lanny Poffo, the genius. A former WWE superstar, also the brother of the Macho Man Randy Savage. He died at the age of 68. Wow. Um, oh my gosh, I remember him. You remember Mr. Perfect? Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, you remember he was, Le- Le- Leaping Lanny Poffo? Yeah. Yeah, he used to he used to read funny poems. Exactly. He was the <laughs> poet yeah, he did, he did. poet yeah, laureate. And then he ended up managing Mr. Perfect. Um, genius. They called the they called him the genius. Yeah. Yeah. So the brother. Macho Man Randy Savage. That's right. You know, they never, they never acknowledged it on the air. They never acknowledged it. Yeah, I don't know why. I but think, not, I think Macho Man was so far, you know, beyond him, just in his um, career that they didn't want to acknowledge it. They, I don't know. I mean, would that be hurting your career? I don't know. I guess they, they thought of things differently. I think if they well, both was, wrestled today, it would be a different he was story. A glorified, a glorified jobber. When do we okay, have okay. Papo on our show? Le- Leaping Lanny Poffo was on our show, I think the early 2000s. I thought that came out about to die. Yeah. Um, also, we lost Oscar Tony nominated actor Melinda Dillon, who played Mother Parker in A Christmas Story. And Chachi, yeah. I know that you're a fan of her work. Uh, she was in Magnolia, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Third Kind, yeah. Yeah, she was 83. I was wondering why she wasn't in the um, sequel that came out last year. I guess she, she was really ill. Yeah. Actress, you know, and she's been out of acting, I think, like for like 10 years. Okay, so she point, so. she retired from acting at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also lost Charles Kimbos, uh, stage and screen actor, best known for his performance in the CBS comedy series Murphy Brown. He passed oh. away at the age of 86 years old. Yeah, I'm also- curious which uh, which which of uh, I guess he was the um oh, okay. Keep going. Yeah. My sister used to love that show growing up. <laughs> Murphy Brown, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never got into it. Yeah, yeah played, I never did. Oh, either. you want to know who he played? He was Jim Dial. Oh, so he was the uh okay, so he that's yeah, he was the head um yeah. like anchor anchor man on the show. Yep. George Robertson, Canadian actor who ple- uh played Commissioner Henry Hurst in the first six Police Academy films. Yes. Police Academy was one of my favorite comedy uh, series in the 80s, and really, really sad uh, that uh, to hear that one. And we have one more to like, announce, one more, a very sad RIP. He was a great comedian from the Baltimore area who had been a guest co-host on Below the Belt show. 
Yeah, I was. I I talked to Zod and Chachi about him. I think Sabrina, you might have met him a couple times. He's been in the studio probably a handful of times. Um, CJ Bernie. Oh shit! Yeah. CJ Bernie had passed away. Um, yeah, very very sad. Yeah, he was a good friend. He was a good friend of our uh, of our buddy Alabama, who hosted open the um the opening um host of the Baltimore Comedy Factory, and um, CJ Bernie was also in, featured on The View uh, as one of the you know best comics of that particular year that the the show The View did. Um, and he offered some great comedy on our show, um, mostly in the BTB, um, WMBC studios. He, I don't think we had him on the BTB virtual. So, um, but nonetheless, our condolences, thoughts and prayers go out to CJ's family, friends. And yeah, awesome. yeah, Sabrina, you remember CJ, don't you? Yes, I definitely do. I 100% big, remember CJ. He's a big, big teddy bear. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I've been in studio guy. with him a few times. You were in studio with him, yeah, yep. Yeah. Mhm. So CJ, unfortunately, go um is added to BTB alumni like Siren Entertainer Davis, Koki, and uh, you know it's 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 sad that when when you know that someone that that was a part of our show, whether it was you know ten visits or or, or less, you know, still you know. Um, still part of the family. Still part of the BTB family. Yeah. So, so very, very sad. Chachi, do you remember CJ? I hope you, you maybe you jogged your memory. Sounds familiar. Like if I, uh, it does sound familiar. I'm sure if I listened to one of the past shows, I'll remember. Yeah. Um, right away. He was. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't think I was on a lot of shows with him. But I think it was, it was towards the end when I wasn't coming in the studio that much. Okay. Yep. So yeah, of course with um, death. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a sad note as we always end on BTB. But with death, we celebrate life, of course. Uh, Kit Harrington is going to be a dad again as him and his wife, uh, Yigrit from Game of Thrones, Rose Leslie, are expecting their second child. Um, but celebrating their birthday today on Tuesday, February 7th, includes Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. The voice behind that uh, is oh, comedian Robert Smigel. Yeah, he's 62. Wait, how old was that in dog years? Exactly. <laughs> Times seven, right? Yeah. Actor James Spader is 62. Wow. Damn, really? That yeah. makes me feel old. Yeah. Garth Brooks yeah, is yeah, six. Wasn't, like wasn't he like a teenage actor? Yeah. He was, <laughs> yeah. Wow, what you're was dating in? all of you guys, right? What was he in? What, what movie was he in? Where he was like Sex, Lies, and Videotape was one of them. Oh, yeah. Well, he's, uh, he's, in, he's also in... Um, it's either it's either it's either some kind of wonderful or pretty in pink. One of the one of the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, one of those movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Garth Brooks. I was pretty in pink. Pretty in pink. Yeah, was he in pretty pink? Okay. Uh, Garth Brooks is sixty today. Happy birthday, Garth. Um, Chris wow, Rock, the recipient of the Will Smith slap. Chris Rock is fifty-seven. Holy smokes. <laughs> Time um, zero stops for no one. Yeah. Ashton Kutcher. We've mentioned Ashton a bunch of times today. He's 44. Wow. Happy birthday, Ashton. Wait, he's only 44? He's 44, yeah. I knew there was something I, thought, I liked about him. I thought he was older for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tina Majorino from Napoleon Dynamite, Veronica Mars, is 37. 
Wait, who's she from? Who's playing Dynamite? Um, she was she like played, the girl, the side, the side, with the side ponytail. Yeah, that was her. Yeah. Wait, she was She didn't play um, Tina the um, alpaca. Not the. Uh... Tina, you fat, you fat, no, no, Tina okay. the, the llama, no. <laughs> okay, okay. Tina Majorino, yeah. The llama, yeah, the llama. The llama, right. <laughs> you and said Deb- James Bader passed away? No, no it's we're birthday. talking about birthdays. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. I was like... We end, we end with birthdays. You know that, Sabrina. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't I don't know what just happened there. I okay. Just, oh, <laughs> I'm going into delirium. I'm no. sorry. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I said with death we celebrate life for those another year. Yeah. I know. I don't okay. even know what's going on. And happy birthday Ashton, to... Ashton Kutcher died too? No, Ashton Kutcher is alive and well. <laughs> okay, one more birthday. <laughs> All right. All right. Jesus. <laughs> Actress Deborah Ann Wool, the sexy redhead from True Blood, is alive and well, guys. It's her birthday today. <laughs> she is 37 today. She Those was in, are she birthdays. Was in Daredevil too. She played Carrie. Daredevil, too. and hopefully she'll be back for Daredevil Afterlife. Is it called Afterlife? Oh, Born Again. Thank you, <laughs> Daredevil. Born Again. Where is yep. that being aired? Afterlife. That's gonna be on or Disney Plus. Disney Plus. When is that starting? Uh, um, I, think I don't even know. If they, I don't even gonna, think they've same actors, though, right? Same actors. Charlie Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio as as Bulls. Uh, what what's the character's name? Uh, Kingpin. Kingpin. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Because yeah, I know you had issues with Kingpin not looking like the pink Kingpin that you want to, them to look like. Um, no, but he was great though. Vincent D'Onofrio was great. It was fantastic. No, Vincent, he was great as Kingpin. I right. was mad that he wasn't. He was wearing a black suit in the Spider-Man. In the Spider-Man suit. into the Spider-Verse, right? Yeah, I was like, why is he wearing a black suit? Is that supposed to be a different bad guy? And they were like, Kingpin, <laughs> and I was like, no. Yep. No. Costume. He doesn't wear a costume. He's just wearing a suit. Like, do you wear the same clothes every day? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, like, does, and it's a white suit. Todd <laughs> makes a very good point, Sabrina. He has wear the same actually in the comics. I don't think he's worn that white suit in years. Like they usually, when they show him, he's just wearing normal clothes. Oh, man. What you, yeah. What do you That's know about comics? Spider-Man: The Animated Series. He's always wearing the white suit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chacha, I was curious. Comics? Yeah. Curious, what are, you, are you excited about any of the DCU projects? We we all talked about it earlier and last oh. week on the show. Are you excited about any DCU um, project that James Gunn is uh, going to be rebooting? No, not really. I, I I wanted the sequel of the Superman. I don't want to like reboot yeah. that. I, I, know. I wanted I wanted to see another um, Batman movie with Michael Keaton. That's really all I really wanted out of it. I know. I, I no. got nothing that I wanted. It sucks. We we will see Michael Keaton in the Flash Flash movie at least. We, he will. He I will mean, be. I, I just think they should do just another movie with um, him and Tim Burton and just make like a shit ton of money. Yeah, but sadly, the powers, the new powers that be don't see see it that way, sadly. Yeah, how, did, so. how did James Gunn like maneuver out of his whole cancellation thing and that no one even ever brings it up ever again? Yeah, because it was all tweets and he never, he never acted I mean, upon those tweets. Yeah, but I don't think he should have been fire anyways but a lot of other people have been canceled and like ever came back but i mean for him like they, they don't even bring it up anymore like, it, it never happened right he was I mean, uncanceled he was about, like 
uncancelled. Raping, raping babies and all this kind of stuff. And like, it was mean, very was, disturbing tweets. Yeah, but he never he, disturbing, but yeah, but he never went through the actions. I mean, you know, you can p- compare that to the, what the we Army said Hammer. about Army Hammer, but Army yeah. also had a sexual assault um, as well. So. But um, that's neither here nor there, and uh, we really thank uh, everyone for joining us here on BTB and celebrating our own Savvy Taylor Smith's birthday. Yay! Yeah. We have to thank, of course, early in the program, Vanessa Meadows, Miss yeah. Triple Dubs. Always a Thanks for joining us, Mike, the General Zod, a.k.a. the Persian Prince of Pop Culture, and also the Zoddy. The Zoddy. <laughs> the Zoddy. That's going to that's gonna stick, yeah. You like that one. I know you, you like anything that, that makes you look good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it's, it's, it was a great show. It was Thanks fun. As usual. Thanks so much, Chachi McFly, for joining us for... The, the latter portion yeah. of our show, and also just wish, for Sabrina, just for Sabrina, and it's always great another year with Sabrina, especially like all the different like health issues and accidents and stuff she had over the years. So oh, so and tragedy, and tragedy. Yeah, it's just great that she's um, you know you're resilient, and we we are yes. happy. We right. we love you for being resilient and what you do. I so. love you guys too. Yeah. So. Uh, so I'm ending tonight's show with a pre-recorded interview I did with director Sophia Peer and producer Ryan Cunningham. They had a slam dance um, pilot film, a comedy called Who's Annie, about an actress that's trying to make it in her 50s, uh, you know, going from background work to doing major roles. And I thought this was a great, great uh, <laughs> film for aspiring actors that uh, – think maybe it's too late to start well hey annie did it so um you should check out this great film when it's available but i know zod you love uh, bands such as interpol the national you might have heard of julian baker but yeah. sophia comes from a long list of um, music video directing big big resume and one of her best music videos was ain't it fun by one of my favorites paramore gotta love some Haley williams Mm-hmm. So she is moving uh, from the music video world to directing film. And uh, I talked to Sophia and Ryan in a great interview uh, closing tonight's show. So I guess, guys, on behalf of All everybody right. here, wishing you a great night. And we will see you next week. Happy Super Bowl and happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> we'll see you guys <laughs> next week. Until then. Um, all right special interview time here on below the belt show two of the great creators of this amazing film called who's annie which had a premiere at slam dance we have a director writer sophia peer and we have executive producer ryan cunningham thanks for joining us here on btb thank you thank you thank you for having us yes first of all congratulations on uh being a, a selected film of uh, Slam Dance, uh, when you first got the word that your film would be a part of that uh, slate, what were your thoughts? Uh, I mean, huge relief, I guess, because you never know. Um, <laughs> so I was just really excited to finally have a premiere date. 
Fantastic. How would you say the coming? Yeah. Yeah. How would you say the um, the reception was of the two screenings now that it's uh, it took place last week? It was really fun to hear people laughing at it. Honestly, mm. just you know, it's kind of just been like our secret. You know, like the right. people who have been working on post have been watching it over and over for various reasons and. I also thought it was cool that I kind of laughed. <laughs> I heard yeah, Ryan, yeah. I heard Ryan That's, laughing too. It's great when you can laugh at your own work, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, especially you know, because it's like I had been watching it for other things for so long. Sure. You know, just the color and the sound and whatever, and just like small tweaks and things like that. So it was like, you know, oh wait, now that I'm seeing it again, it's funny. <laughs> it's always uh, an incredibly different experience once you see things with an audience, especially for a comedy. Like, yeah, it's really what you like live and thrive off of. So it's so exciting. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, a rush when you hear the audience responding favorably, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Now, um, now I'm reading here. This was actually based on actual events. Uh, obviously, uh, Annie is playing herself. Sophia, you're playing yourself uh, to a degree. Were there any? Differences in your real persona versus your on-screen persona for this film? I mean, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, the show is, uh, I mean, the co-writer, Annie Sickerman, she was drawing inspiration uh, from, we met in high school. Uh, She was drawing inspiration from my high school version. And um, yeah, this Sophia is is just, you know, sort of just more self-involved or like not even it's just she's not really thinking about other people as much as adult Sophia. And um, yeah, just um, she's erratic. She wants to take shortcuts. She's like a by any means necessary kind of person, which maybe I am, too. But she makes a lot more mistakes and missteps um, with that. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's differences, but it's certainly based on me. Right. Yeah. But with Annie, I, I'm just a guess, but uh, the Annie we see in the film is how Annie is in real life. Would you say? Um, pretty much, yeah. Huh? <laughs> I mean, when we wrote dialogue for her, we wrote it, you know, with her voice in mind. Yeah. Um, it's based on her and it's based on things that really happened to her or between us, et cetera, of course, with exaggerations. Yeah. Much like, um, you know, I, I uh, was a co-EP on Broad City and, you know, very much like uh, it was Abby and Alana, but it was like them cranked up to 11, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's Annie and Sophia, but it's, it's cranked up. Yeah. Love it. And uh, wow, such an inspirational film for for actors, obviously, myself included, you know, a part of Screen Actors Guild. Um, of course, we we try to audition for the bigger stuff, the co-stars, the guest stars, but occasionally we have to do background work. And, you know, if we want to, you know, um, make some money. But uh, I, I was just curious because Annie had done a lot of background work. How was it um, as far as getting the footage of her work? into the film was there a process was it difficult to get those highlighted scenes um i mean i had been collecting them as she anytime she made a cameo i was really excited to sort of you know grab that file um and in terms i mean since this show is 
about her and starring her. So it's like this kind of doc scripted hybrid zone where that is considered, you know, part of the doc part of her. Okay. And, doc, yeah. and as a documentary, you can kind of, those, those are the loopholes for using uh, other, other scenes. A fair use, yeah. Yeah, a fair use. Okay, I was curious how that worked. Wow. And then Annie, quite the the, the featured, uh, you know, cameo background resume with Orange is the New Black, Inventing Anna, New Amsterdam, and um, yeah, so many actors. A lot of my friends and colleagues are, are in yeah, I, same position. Yeah, I caught her on Inventing Anna and texted Sophia immediately and was like, we have to get this. She's making the best scowl <laughs> you know, in, the, in the bus going to the prison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so, she's an inmate again. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Always, yeah. Forever. Yeah. Because uh, the, the real Annie had spent some time in prison, right? Yeah. Yes, she did. Oh, oh. that's, that is absolutely wild. Now let's talk about you meeting Annie and, uh, approaching her for the project. Was it an actual meeting at a Burger King or is it elsewhere? <laughs> it was really a meeting at a Burger King wow. on Northern Boulevard in Queens, close to where we both grew up and where Annie still lives and where my parents still live. Um, so yeah, we met at a Burger King and we clicked right away. Wow, that is so interesting, wow. Um, and was uh, the conversation like relatively similar to what is actually in the pilot? It was somewhat similar. I mean, I in the pilot, I'm like a little more removed and like, yeah. uh, why are you talking to me or whatever? <laughs> but in real life, I was like, ooh, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so inspirational for actors because a lot of people. In the entertainment industry, I guess, give up after a certain point in their life or a certain age. And Annie is proof that you can still pursue the industry at 50 plus, 60 plus, whatever. Yeah, you can start your career then. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's really inspirational. And, you know, to actually get a background actor to the forefront, I think is is great. I think a lot of my friends and colleagues need to see this, this film. So where do you see this um, – Film, uh, obviously, it's episodic because it's a pilot. Where, where do you see this uh, project uh, as far as on a network, um, and where do you, and what do you see for future episodes? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, a great network or streaming platform is the goal, and I think the pilot is really just giving you sort of a taste and a proof of concept of where all three of the main characters can go. So, I mean, there, the the actual process of making the pilot has taken so many years and we have so many stories of just making the pilot itself, let alone like Annie's backstory, Sophia's backstory and Kim's backstory. Um, there's just so much to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we right now have been like working on the story arc of everything. And oh, good. I mean, obviously, Sophia is going to be facing charges for uh, check fraud. Yeah, we need to know what happens. Yeah. So there's there's some um, there's a uh, full scripts written or just treatments for these uh, future episodes. Um. Well, we have like a almost full script for the second episode, and then we have like outlines for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic! Wow. If you could choose a network where this would stream, where, where would you like it to, uh, to be? Uh, should I let you answer this, Ryan? <laughs> 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 I 
I mean, I, I think, you know, we'd love to see it on any of the major streamers like sure. Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, you know, HBO Max. Yes. The, the sort of I, I could totally, main ones. I could totally, <laughs> totally see. Yeah, the big ones. The yeah. big ones, yeah. Right. Now, is the world ready to see um, Husanna yet? And is there a way for, for everyone to see it yet? Oh, no, not yet, no. Okay. We're still uh, doing, like, premieres in different cities and things okay. like that, so. And we're like in the process of um, taking it out to market as well. Very nice, festival. very Keep nice. So more film festivals uh, for for. Uh, who's adding is, is the yeah idea. yeah i will say you know this was a technique that uh was used on search party where the the style and the tone and the storytelling and i think also the 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 actors were just sort of it was like no matter how many times sophia described it we just needed to show people um, and that was one of the things that happened with Search Party was that the the tone and the style and the mood was just like so and the style of comedy was just like so very specific um, that the production company funded the making of the pilot in order to sell it. Um, and I, I felt like that was a, a similar um, tactic that we kind of needed to do here because I think if <laughs> If we just describe the show, uh, it it you sort of fall into this like meta loop and it gets very confusing. But if we could just show it to you, um, it makes a lot more sense and and everybody gets it. Interesting. I was curious also, um, Ryan, on the major differences between uh, producing um, a show that's already established on a network versus an independent uh, project like this. Money. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you work harder on, on these versus the, you know, the shows like, like Broad City and, and, and Search Party? What did you say, Sophia? Do you, do you feel like you work sometimes harder on an indie project like this versus uh, uh, working on a Search Party or? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, we're 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 working with, you know, a non-union, like much more skeleton crew, you know, and we're all kind of playing multiple roles. Like I. I, I acted in the I made my acting debut in uh, in this as one of the casting directors. Yes. Um and um you know I I think pretty much every crew member sort of played at least some kind of role in this and um uh yeah we were all sort of you know I was like helping out with set dressing <laughs> and you know uh yeah. wearing multiple hats in this one yeah right? yeah what usually happens on an indie project yeah but so it was just so fun and it, it was such a an incredibly uh happy shoot and everybody was in such like a marvelous happy mood while we were filming which was great that's awesome uh, Sophia, is this your first time in front of the camera I mean, yeah, I've done some stuff with my parents and, okay. you know, I've been in some other friends who are filmmakers, films, but not in this big of a role. Um, yeah, it's been a learning curve for sure. Uh, yeah. 
something you would love to do more of or you like to be behind the camera it's for the most fun part? it's fun but i think yeah my main passion is definitely um you know coming up with the ideas and being behind the camera and interacting with the actors um yeah initially i'll just say this uh when we first came up with the idea of having sophia in the show i cast somebody to play me like of course i'm not going to be in this right and then, because of the meta nature of everything, it just became so much funnier when I showed up to direct the person that I cast to play me, who's directing Annie, you know, to add that extra layer. Yeah. Like I pop out from behind a bush and start criticizing everything, you know, it's like that. Well, you're, you're both naturals in front of the camera. You guys <laughs> they, had, they had uh, some acting coaching from uh Chaz Palminteri. Great, yes. And yeah? Yep. Oh, yeah. Each has Palminteri. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> now, how was the, um, what would you say the main differences from going from music video um, direction to uh, something of like this nature for you? I mean, music videos are so visual, you know what I mean? It's just like all visual. And I took that here, you know what I mean? Because we're going into all these different genres and I had to be able to kind of dip into all these different visual themes and genres. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's a lot more, I don't know, there's a lot more meat to directing somebody and writing lines for them and mm -hmm. You know, being really present for their emotional changes and shifts versus, you know, one person or one band. Like, it's just a very different experience in terms of directing. Right on. Well, if we could talk a little bit about your music video work, uh, Sophia. Um, wow. Big fan of the bands that you directed. And then I had to check out the uh, the music videos. And they're all so beautiful and so creative in, in very different ways. Thank you. Thank you know, I, I that's what I love. It's like I don't see a very a, a similarity between each video. There's something very different. Uh, starting with that Paramore, um, "Ain't It Fun," which I love the song. And uh, how was that experience? Just working with with the with Haley Williams and the band and having them destroy a bunch of crap. And you know, I'm, I'm sure that was like a stress relief for them to you know you have those <laughs> uh, stress rooms where you bash things and destroy things. And um, I'm curious how uh, that went down for them. Well, I mean, Haley is magic on camera. It's like yeah. you, know, you could put her in any scenario. She was really easy to work with, like a true, true performer through and through. Um, yeah, I mean, the challenges with that were that they had limited time and it was, you know, a lot to film for that music video in a very limited time. It was Thanksgiving weekend. So I hired an entire crew of Australians because Thanksgiving doesn't mean anything to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we went to Nashville and we stayed in like the backwoods of Nashville somewhere to like find this cool barn. I mean, it was certainly challenging time wise. Um, and no matter how much money you have, it always seems like too little. Um, but yeah, the ideas were big, you know, we wanted all these props and all these setups and it was just like running around like boom, 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 boom. And Haley was on point. I mean, the whole band was, but Haley, especially on point, like in a second, you know, and that's the only way it worked. Wow. It certainly did work. You can see Haley doing, uh, um, like a feature film or, um, a series as well. She had, she had that going yeah. on. I've thought about it for sure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's an idea, right? 
yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, like uh, musicians and artists like to, you know, transition to to acting uh, roles. Right. So. Hiro Mirai with Childish Gambino. I mean. Right. Yeah. Gambino is a perfect perfect example. And then uh, watching your uh, national videos, uh, I Need My Girl and 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 Graceless. Um, looks like they were going for like a noir look for most of their stuff, right? Um, I'm not really sure where that came from exactly. Um, I think it was just like, I don't know, I wanted to like make like a, in Graceless, I wanted to make sort of like a Fellini film about like men who were, have who are sort of regressing together and i have matt berninger's father uh riding around in like a lawnmower while they're like you know shotgunning beers and whatever you know so um i think it just to me it needed that but then with the i need my girl i think just because it was like this it was very black and white like it was a rotating platform everyone yeah black it just kind of i went with it you know in the color grade that was really cool. It was art. It was total art. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Are there any particular artists that you'd love to work with and direct their music video that you haven't worked with yet? Oh, my God. Um, well, that's hard to say. I mean, uh, I'm kind of obsessed with Dean Blunt right now, um, but he's sort of like, like elusive and uh, I can't see getting to make a music video for him. But um yeah, there's a lot of like hip hop musicians that I'm interested in. Yeah, we're into that realm. Yeah, because I see the mo- the genre mostly is the alternative rock, uh, from what, what what I've seen uh, for your your stuff. So going the hip hop route will give you a little more uh, variety, I guess, right? Yeah, more in line with like my upbringing of listening to Hot 97 all day. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Ryan, any uh, future projects uh, other than um, Who's Annie that you, uh, you'll you be working on? Well, I'm currently, oh, yeah. Do you, do you want to go, Ryan? Yeah. Oh, yeah, both yeah, of you. So yeah. You go. Um, <laughs> I'm working on this series with comedian Lily Murata. Nice. And just have these short, short little, like, webisodes or whatever that are sort of proof of concept of a much larger idea. Uh, Lily is a queer comedian who plays, she's from Boston and she plays sort of like a Boston bro type um, picture of like Mark Wahlberg is queer in The Departed um, and that really obsessed with food. Um, so Lily Murata's character, Danny, moves to New York from Boston to become like an expert food guy and comedy ensues. <laughs> wow, love it, love it. How about you, Ryan? Um, so I'm actually directing a show that's playing, currently running at a Soho Playhouse in New York called Sam Morris and Sugar Daddy. Um, and I am going to be directing a feature in about two weeks. Um, and um, I have a show in development at FX that uh, hasn't been announced yet, so I can't totally talk about okay. it. Okay. Can you talk about the film you're directing next week? Um, yeah, in two weeks. Um, yeah, it was written in, uh, it was written by um, Matt Foss and Cora Vanderbrook, and um, it's a, um, uh, it's it's a small, it's a it's a very like tiny indie low budget um, two hander of um, 
uh, to people in their mid 40s who knew each other in high school but have lost touch and um, in an effort to try to save money, um, she reaches out to him uh, to ask him to be her sperm donor. Oh, and wow. He is um, the guy she didn't go to prom with in high school. Um, and um, uh, they come together for a 48-hour period meeting in these uh, adjoining motel rooms. And, uh, you know, she has this whole plan of everything and she's going to be receiving his deposits and, you know, um, and uh, um, uh, like nothing goes according to plan. So that's usually how it is. Yes. <laughs> <goes according> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds uh, that film sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, yeah. wow, this has been great. Uh, Sophia and Ryan, of course, who's Annie? Um, hopefully we'll be in another film festival. Of course, Slam Dance had already um, uh, taken place and, and Sundance. Did you did you party it up over there in the in Park City? Did you uh, did um, all the uh, I did something called a ski shot. Yeah, you have one ski and a bunch of shot glasses attached to it, and okay. then all try to do it at the same time. Yeah, so yeah, a little bit of partying. <laughs> you didn't. Uh, you didn't do as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I happen to be five two, and the other women I'm doing it with are at least five seven. So yeah. <laughs> went up my nose. She was a little like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I've I didn't go this year, but I've attended both Slam Dance and Sundance, and they're just both uh, incredible incredible times. And uh, yeah, did you ever make it to any Sundance uh, screenings or any, any of those while you were there? Yeah, I saw the I mean I saw a bunch, but my favorite was Gemma Joya. It was amazing. Nice. Wow. Something. Be in theaters, no doubt. Yeah, a lot of great a lot of great projects that came out of the Sundance, and of course your project from Slam Dance. Um, where can we keep everyone updated on everything Sophia and Ryan? You have a website, right, Sophia? SophiaPure.com. It is probably the place to go right now. Yeah, it's just mm -hmm. SophiaPure.com, and there's a tab called Series, and there will be more information about who's Annie as we get it. Good. So hopefully the the, the American public, or the world public, rather, can see this incredible uh, film. That's right, the world. <laughs> yes, the world. <laughs> Ryan, any plugs? Um, you know, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Ryan E. Cunningham. Don't forget the E. And um, uh, I mean, I, I I also run a post house in New York called Running Man that I co-own. And uh, that's runningmanpost.com. And anything that I'm directing or executive producing uh, kind of goes through the post house. So everything gets sort of added onto there. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Both of you do amazing things. And of course, best of luck with Who's Annie. I'm looking forward to see what happens uh, after Sophia gets arrested. And uh, <laughs> we need we need to know more. We need to know what Annie's next project is. So uh, thank you both so much. And before we let you go, if you could let us know who you are throughout uh, Plug for Who's Annie. And um, let us know you're on Below the Belt show and whatever you want at the end. Just introduction. Okay, uh, I'm Sophia Peer. I'm the creator, director, and co-writer of Who's Annie? And I'm Ryan Cunningham. I am the executive producer of Who's Annie? And, and you are on? 
And we are on the Below the Belt show. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah, Below the Belt. Thank you so much for having us. That was rad. Thank you yeah, so thank much. Thank you. All right. You guys have a great night. Thank you. So, thank you so much for a great interview. This is great. You too. Thank well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.